0: Well, we are live. Corey Brada from the Hawkeye of the Storm, voice of college football here. It's going to be a fun show, isn't it, everybody? As you can see from our banner here, I think this sums up things pretty well. Listen, I'm going to take some time here as we wait for Don Patterson to join the show to open up the call lines. All right. You're welcome to call in. Sound off. All right. And uh, speak your mind. I'm going to try to say, well, less than I normally would, because uh, I obviously, you can imagine I had a lot to say during the game. And um, certainly as uh, I have time to kind of process this game and what happened, I'll have more to say. And certainly when Don joins us, he'll have some insightful Words for us, but uh, I want to leave this uh, open to everybody. The phone number is at the bottom of your screen 860 499 3332. 860 499 3332. Iowa gets destroyed, and I don't think that's being hyperbolic. Final score 24 to 7. And in case you uh, expected anything less than a stellar performance from David Bell, you did not get that. Um, Iowa struggled to contain who I think is the best wide receiver in the league. Now, I'm biased because we, as an Iowa guy, I've continued, as everyone here listening has, if you're an Iowa fan, you've continued to see Bell burn Iowa cornerbacks year after year after year, literally. And as great as Phil Parker is, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and trash Phil. He he has not gotten it done against Purdue. That's the bottom line. Brian Ferentz has not gotten it done against Purdue. Kirk Ferentz has not gotten it done against Purdue. All right, these are these are not grandiose statements. All right, this is legitimate. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm also not going to trash these guys. But the bottom line is, this was a uh, really, really uh, surprising, but also just uh I don't want to say and I don't want to again I don't want to use hyperbolic language. I, I this is one game, but this was a, a really bad day. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it without without using terms that I'm gonna regret later. Okay. Um this was a, a, about as bad as uh any Iowa fans could have imagined this game to go. I, I don't know that I've I, I don't know the last time where as Iowa fans, we've felt more let down than in this moment. I'm trying to think. I mean, Iowa's lost heartbreaking games, but when's last time Iowa has rolled? Has been rolling. I mean, six and zero. You're heading into this game coming off a win against Penn State. I know there was some controversy about that, which I will not talk about today. If anybody wants to call in and talk about it, you can talk about it. I'm not going to partake in that. Um, I think I spent too much time talking about the Penn State stuff this week. I don't think that. I don't think the Iowa players. I don't think that was a distraction. I don't think the Iowa players spent any time talking about, you know, the Sean Clifford stuff and the the injury stuff. So that's behind us. Um, but certainly, this was just uh, this was just a beatdown. I mean, it was just a beatdown. There there is no other way to describe this. It was a total beatdown by Jeff Brom, who obviously knows how to scheme against Kirk Ferentz and Phil Parker. Again, I love Phil. I've been very outspoken, I think. And this is hard to say in, in, in a day like this, right? Because we, we don't want to make any... I mean, we don't want to anoint anybody that was on that sideline today for Iowa. But I would write... If, if you ask me today, who do I want to be the next head coach at Iowa? It would either be Bob Stoops or Phil Parker. I think Phil Parker is deserving. He had a bad day. A really, really bad day. And he's had bad days each of the last... Well what is that now? Four of the last five games against Purdue, you know, and last year was a, kind of a weird, weird game. I mean, of course it was basically the same personnel, Aiden O'Connell at quarterback, David Bell, uh, King Doru was out in that game, but, uh, it was basically the same story. Iowa did lose the penalty battle in that game. I don't know what the final count today was on penalties. Um, certainly turnovers didn't help, but, this was just an all-around beatdown. It They did not lose this game. Iowa did not lose this game because of one thing, all right? People want to attack Brian. He was bad today. People want to attack attack Spencer. He was bad today. People want to attack Matt Hankins. He was bad today. There was not a single position on this field that played well today. Caleb Shudak missed a, a kick from like 26 yards. This was just an all-around throwaway performance. And I'm not saying... I'll I'll be anxious to get Don Patterson's opinion on this when he comes on the show here in a little bit. Coach Don Patterson will join us. But I almost wonder if this is one of those games where if you're Kirk Ferentz, you just tell your guys, hey, look, we got a bye week. Go home. Don't don't think about football. Just go home and try to enjoy yourselves. And we're going to basically just throw this game out the window. I mean, I don't know how you look at tape from this game. I mean, again, I'm no coach, but I don't know how you look at tape from this game because everything failed in this game. And maybe that's a, maybe that's hyperbolic. We did see two late returns. We saw a return on a kickoff from Ivory Kelly Martin, and a good return from Charlie Jones in punt return. So, uh, but again, it, overall, this is just just a, a really really uh, bad day to be a Hawkeye. Um, I, I've never seen Kinnick Stadium cleared out that early, and, and I can't believe I'm saying that, given the fact that as of right now, Iowa is ranked number two in the country overrated probably most likely right were they deserving of that ranking probably six and zero wins at iowa state win at home against penn state don't care about the outside garbage the narratives a win at home against an indiana team that was considered to be a top 20 team heading into the season again that's very much debatable now um but you know probably deserving of being number two in the country. I just can't believe the, cr- the crowd was just gone. They were just gone. And I'll be anxious to get Don Patterson's take on this. Don was actually in the pr- in the uh, press box today. He had some, um, I don't want to go into detail because that's his business, but he did have some uh, a procedure, I should say that, uh, this week. I don't think he'll mind if I, if I divulge that. He had a procedure at uh, the University of Iowa this week. And so uh, for his health, he was in the press box today. So um, he wasn't able to be out in the crowd, which is probably fine with him in hindsight. But I'll be anxious to see, anxious to hear from him as to when the majority of this crowd was gone. Because, man, when that clock hit zero and Jeff Brom is being interviewed by ESPN, I mean, it looked like a spring game. I I, I was just, again, clearly Iowa was done about, what, th- two or three minutes into the, the fourth quarter. But, man, alive. So again, our number here. Let's pop it up in big letters in case you're uh, you have a headache and you can't squint your eyes. Um, which is me right now. 860-499-3332 860 499 3332 The more you talk, the less I have to talk. The less I have to talk. And, and and again, I can't deal with Penn State fans today. So if if people come on here to troll Control all you want. You're not going to get your comments up here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to partake. So I, I can't deal with it today. So, um, you know, I, again, I've admitted myself. I think I talk. I think I spent too much time talking about the Penn, the Penn state game this week. Again, I, I'm not saying that a lot of the media did that. Right. And I'm not saying Iowa players read into that, but certainly, um, I think I, I regret spending as much time talking about it because it was a waste of time. All right, let's take our first call here, Voice of College Football. Thank you for calling Iowa postgame, Voice of College Football. Who do we have on the line?
1: Oh, hello, it's me, Roberto. I guess I'm the first one.
0: Hey, Roberto, how are you?
1: Good. Well, I did warn you about better quarterback play and go towards the championship, right, last week. I don't know what happened.
0: You don't know Not what only happened.
1: That, like, no, 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 I don't know what happened today. Like not only Iowa just lost, it's like like the Purdue's receiver David Bell outgained gain the entire offense of Iowa. Yeah. outgained.
0: This is what this is what they do. They've been doing it for three straight years with Bell.
1: Three straight years?
0: I mean, the kid had 200 he had a, he had 195 yards. Was it last year or the year before against Iowa? This defense has no answers for David Bell. They have no answers for Jeff Brom. And that's we're going on four years of that now. Even in the win. It was, I think it was a win. Well, then they they beat Purdue in 2019 and they gave up 195 yards and 13 catches to David Bell. Wow. Roberto, well, look, are you and I you're not an Iowa fan, I'm, are you?
1: No, I'm Ohio State fan.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the quarterback play is uh one of the many storylines. Um Obviously, comparing him to a guy like C.J. Stroud, you're probably looking at bottom of the barrel in the Big Ten right now, as opposed to probably the best quarterback in the Big Ten in Stroud. And obviously, we're, we're talking apples and oranges as far as recruiting is concerned. Um, but, I, you know, we were just talking before we went on. My brother and I were actually having this conversation, and we were talking about the idea of say we just threw this game out and I know you can't do that. And the reality is Iowa will probably lose more games because they're probably not as good as they were. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But if you just think about throwing this game out, theoretically say Iowa comes back, beats Wisconsin, they beat uh, Minnesota, they beat Northwestern. They win out and they 11 and one. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I think it's very unlikely, but it's possible. They do that. They play Ohio state in the playoff. I, I don't want to watch that game right now. Like, uh, I don't know I, any Iowa fan who wants to watch that game, but I don't know that Iowa, if they can't keep David Bell under, what did he have, like 250 yards receiving? And what are they going to do with Olave and all these guys Ohio State throws at you?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like more disappointed on the defense this game. Like, how do you let one guy beat you and outgame gain your entire, like, your team's entire offense? One guy. Well, And, then, and you, you mentioned this happening for three years now
0: yeah it's the same thing it's the same thing
1: I would have imagined how hard it would have been covering him and Rondale Moore
0: well and and thankfully Iowa caught a break because last year Rondale Moore was out that first game oh my yeah and they still lost (laughs) on the road and gave up over 120 (laughs) yards to to, uh, David Bell David Bell's stats and we'll get this up on the 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 screen 11 catches on 12 targets Two hundred forty yards, an average of twenty two per catch with a long of sixty.
1: Longest oh yeah, that uh, big one, I don't know was was on the screen. Oh no, on the deep ball. He was like oh. I don't and making everything No, it was, was like it was the over the shoulder
0: throw screen. over Hankins. It was the over shoulder throw. Uh. <laughs> anything so, else Roberto?
1: I don't know well I guess nothing else I mean
0: <laughs> okay.
1: once again <laughs> across this day throughout the day once again Texas disappointed
0: and everything yes I did see Texas lose Um I was obviously rooting for Texas to win that game and knock off another undefeated team but now it doesn't matter if you're an Iowa fan it certainly matters as an Ohio State fan but yeah you're right Texas does I'm not sure. does not look good right now
1: and my ex-university which is University of Cincinnati just won big against. UCLA. Yes,
0: they did. Yes, they did, and they're probably going to win out. Roberto, I got a couple other callers here, so I'm going to let you go. Appreciate you calling, and feel free to call in later.
1: All right, thank you. Thanks, man. I hope you bounce back at Madison.
0: Appreciate that. We got a bye week here. Thank you. Have a good night.
1: All right, my bad. All right, goodbye. It's
0: all right. We appreciate Roberto calling in. All right. Moving down the caller queue here. Thank you for calling Iowa postgame voice of college football. Who do we have on the line?
2: Uh, this is Blake. I'm in Arkansas. I, Hi, Blake. I, there's a couple things that we could talk about, obviously, but one of them that was on my mind that I um, was asking myself, even since the Maryland game was uh, how much do you think it would cost to like buy a player off for them to throw a game? I don't know if that's something you want to discuss here, but like,
0: I, I get are, you talking, are you talking are you are you insinuating things. something about Matt Hankins?
2: No, no, not him,
0: not him per se. okay. Uh, I have no idea. Um, I guess where are you going with this?
2: Well, the Maryland quarterback um, okay, did not perform um, very well and i I was having second <clears throat> second thoughts about the validity of that game mid mid first quarter end of the first quarter. And I don't know this game. Just, it it kind of smells to me. Uh, The defense really didn't play that bad. It smells. Um, Yeah, definitely. smells. I
0: agree with you. It smells bad. Considering how, how long Purdue had the ball
2: and, and how devastating it must've been for them to sit there and look at the Iowa offensive performance. And, you know, it's almost like a perfect setup, you know, Purdue's kind of had our number in the past. It just doesn't, some, something something doesn't doesn't sound right doesn't well, feel right
0: well, oh, it let's look right. let's just clear something up here I, I get what you're saying are you a hawkeye fan yeah I get what you're saying caller. here's the deal college football is a weird game um it's mu- it very much very like much like college basketball is but probably even more so it's a game of matchups and there's no question I'm not gonna make excuses for this squad but this was a bad matchup. I think Maryland, on the other hand, is obviously a good matchup for Iowa. You've got a short quarterback who's limited with his ability to, I think, throw into a zone. I mean, you saw Aiden O'Connell. We've seen David Blau do it. We've seen Aiden O'Connell do it. We've whoever the kid before Cindelar did it. Brahms quarterbacks know how to pick apart this Iowa zone. So I think I I wouldn't I would not jump to concluding that there is some vendetta or somebody's throwing games to explain why iowa performed so well earlier this season i mean
2: no, when i uh, think that that one that one game just stuck out in my mind because yeah, of how I, poorly he did play
0: i get what you're um, saying but let's it, remember it, 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 maryland also got destroyed the next week by ohio state and i know iowa and ohio state no, are the same that's level sort of but to that's, be expected. yeah but i'm just saying that maryland team is not nearly as good as we thought and that was week what was that week five so it's still early they would you know, played Kent state and they really hadn't played a tough schedule minus West Virginia, who's borderline top 25. So I I would not jump to that conclusion. I get your frustration though. And this is, I thought you were referring to somebody throwing this game, but this is just a matter of David Bell just being a mismatch.
2: No, no, I am insinuating that about this game. And, and, and let me, let me be clear about this. What I'm saying is dispassionate. I'm not angry about the game at all. I mean, I know these kind of things happen. It's just a sport. I, the game didn't look right.
0: Um, well, I agree, it didn't look right. right. Yeah. Well, who, who's who are who would have thrown the game, caller? A Peter. player or a coach? <laughs> a player. I mean, which player? This this was the whole team. Nobody played well. Was it the whole team that threw the game?
2: If we had an average offensive performance, let's just say we played like we did at Penn State, right? Penn State has a good defense. If we just played that well, we win this game.
0: Okay, but they gave up 240 yards to David Bell. I mean, I understand that, and despite that,
2: and despite that, they still won't put up 24 points.
0: I get it, but I I I don't agree. uh, Listen, I I get what you're saying, um, but the defense. Listen, let's remember too: Purdue got very conservative in that fourth quarter. They could have easily had a lot more than 24 points. Yeah, that that last seven minutes, they kind of. Yeah, They kind of so, laid on it a little bit. No, the defense sucked. So it, I wouldn't... Um, and Petrus looked like Petrus of last year. I, th- this isn't a matter of anybody throwing the game or, or, or money being thrown on the table. I see a comment in the chat about NIL money. This was just a matter of a team that matches up very well against Iowa and obviously a coach who knows how to scheme against this 4-3 defense and specifically Phil Parker and Kirk Ferentz. And I was... There's no question. Iowa was overrated. I mean, you got to admit that now. Iowa was overrated. Um, I'm not saying it's panic time. Obviously, it's the, you're on the edge of that because you lose at home, 24 to seven, as the number two team in the country to an unranked Purdue team. There's concern, but I, I just wouldn't go there. I, I understand your frustration, though, caller.
2: I yeah, and again, I, I'm not, I'm not frustrated at the at the game. You know, in what I'm saying, but um, I. You know, things happen. I get that. Um, yeah. I, it just, it just didn't, it just didn't look right.
0: Well, but anyway, all right, man. I appreciate the call, and um, you know, w- again, we'll, we'll talk about this with Don. But as bad as this was, it's one game. It's one game.
2: I, I, I did see, I did see, and I'll and I'll and I'll, um, you know expand on what you just said about the defense when when the receivers caught the ball. Um, they're they're excellent route runners. That's that that's obvious. But when the receivers caught the ball, it wasn't a defender within four yards of them. You're right. It was it was it, it, it was it was really bad. Like we yeah. didn't even have a chance to make the tackle on the spot. I would I would be curious to see what their yards after catch were. Maybe that's something that Don Don uh, could put out there for the for the fans.
0: No, you're right. It, in. <laughs> it was something disgusting. I Absolutely agree with you. All right. Have a good evening. All right, man. Appreciate the call. All right. Driving along here, heading to our next caller. We do have one line open. Thank you for calling Iowa postgame at the Voice of College Football. Who do we have on the line? Oh, this is James. Hey, James. Hello. Hello. I have four generations of Iowa grads in my family. Okay.
3: The oldest class being 1925. So Iowa's been breaking my family's heart for many years. Okay. I just want to say Christian McCaffrey is better than David Bell. Thank you.
0: Okay. Well, they both burned Iowa. Christian McCaffrey burned Iowa for, I don't know how many all purpose yards and David Bell has burned Iowa for probably just as many in over the course of three games. So I would agree with that. And, um, Let's go on to our next caller. Thank you for calling Iowa post game at the voice of college football. Who's on the line? Hello. Hello. Thank you for calling Iowa post game.
4: Hey, Corey, this is Scott. How are you doing?
0: Scott, how are you? I'm not doing too well. What about you?
4: Well, listen, it's college football, right? That's right. And, uh, you know, the whole football team was not, uh, in tune with what was going on uh the defense was playing too soft it showed the inexperience of our offensive line as people saw and um i don't think iowa was overrated Corey. i just think that it was not iowa's day um i go back to last week's game when alabama got beat by texas a&m who saw that coming um I just think that Iowa was. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say that they were exhausted from last week's game against Penn State, but I just think that it was a. It was just Purdue's day. Unfortunately, Iowa was on the wrong end of the stick, um, and I just. Don't get me wrong, Petras could have done a hell of a lot better throwing, what, three or four interceptions, unacceptable. I think Brian Ferentz did not call a good offensive game. I don't think Phil Parker is to blame. I just think the defense should have played, how about man-to-man? They were playing way too soft, way too soft for what was going on, Corey. And that's, that's my view of it. Again, it's college football. What are you gonna do?
0: Well, let me challenge you on something. Um, sure, and and you're welcome to disagree with me on this. But to say that Iowa was not overrated, I mean, come on now. <laughs> I, I
4: don't, Corey. Come on now. I mean, we were. I mean, we were playing. Look, we took down Indiana. We took down. Uh, Indiana Iowa sucks. State. We Indiana took down sucks. Penn State.
0: Oh, I agree with you. The the, the resume, the resume was good enough to be ranked number two. But if we're talking about if we're going into this game saying that Iowa is the second best team in the country, that's clearly not the truth. And I think most people understood that going into this game. We wanted to convince ourselves that that we were wrong and that Iowa somehow was deserving. They were deserving if you look at resume, but clearly they were overrated. I mean, come on.
4: I no, I Corey, I don't agree with that. I do not agree with that. The way our defense was playing, it was. Just, I I don't know what. Let's let's come down to this. Purdue and Jeff Brom, for some reason, how many teams play three quarterbacks?
0: Well, I, I, you're I right. Mean, come on. Who yes,
4: three quarterbacks,
0: but they don't do that. They have ball. not done that they have not done that this year. I don't know that that third quarterback has had a single snap. Maybe he's had had snaps this year. I don't know, but all I know is that is Brom at his finest. So sitting here watching this game, I'm saying that's Brom just scheming up against Ferentz. That's all that is.
4: You're, you're exactly right. But how many games do you think Brom and Purdue are going to win after this game? Honestly, I give them two plus maybe one. They're going to win three games after this, after that, it's just—it was their day, Corey. It's college football. Come on, yeah. brother. You know that.
0: Well, <laughs> I do know that, but I, I have not seen an Iowa team embarrassed at home like this in quite some time. I, oh, I just—I
4: I totally agree. Embarrassed. And I, I bleed black and gold. Trust me. My son graduated from Iowa. Yeah. I'm from Iowa. I'm from Cedar Falls, Waterloo. So I bleed the black and gold. But I just—I understand what's going on, and I'm just like. Uh, it's it's so it you you know, you had spoken about uh Maryland and Penn State being the hiccup or the the game that was gonna be um Iowa's uh giddy or hitch in their game in their uh, season. I looked at Purdue and I'm like, you know what? Every time it's either Purdue or Northwestern, yep. and those teams could be the bottom, the bottom bottom of the big 10 and you know what they have iowa's number for some darn reason and it's is it unacceptable i am not going to say it's unacceptable because again you're dealing with college students and you're coming off a big win last last week we don't know even we don't know what practice was like starting from monday until thursday You know, they're not going to expose that. They're not going to talk about that. And when they do have a good practice through the week, guess what? That is, that is talked about. Not one time this week was a practice talked about the whole week. So that's all I was. I'll tell you what, coming into this game, I was like, you know what? If someone's going to get us, it's going to be these darn Boilermakers. And I honestly, do I think Jeff Brom is a good head coach? Not at all. I think he's bottom a bottom of the Big Ten head coach. But he he's got Iowa's number, just like Pat Fitzgerald. Do I think um Northwestern's a good coach or a good team? Not at all. Every once in a while they'll come up with some type of scheme to, to beat us, but overall they're not a good team. But for some reason, I would just I'm telling you, if they come into their head and it's just like I don't understand it. I can't explain it. I look at it. I'm looked at the, I watched the whole game and I'm just like our de- our offensive line on both the left and right side, very soft. Um, our defense, instead of playing zone, why didn't you go man to man, Corey? We have the players to go man to man. Do not tell me Hankins and number 22. I cannot recall his name because he's he started this week. He played a good ball game, Corey, and Hankins I don't know what was in Hankins head today what he was doing but it was not Iowa defense
0: I agree but Hankins also got burned in man-to-man coverage several times I mean early on in this game it was was,
4: okay Uh, yeah this underneath stuff this
0: underneath stuff to David Bell and Hankins giving up outside leverage well, well
4: Okay, I get that. But the underneath stuff, okay, you can give up the underneath stuff. But the the D, like, let them get behind you, unacceptable, Corey. Unacceptable.
0: Yeah. You're right.
4: Unacceptable.
0: I so, agree with you.
4: I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not down on this team. I think that with a week off, hopefully we get, um, uh, who's the guy we lost last week against? Um, Moss. Moss. Penn State. Moss, was it, right, Moss? Yep. Um, I think when we get him back, you could tell a difference in the defense. They just weren't as in tune to what was going on in the field, and you could see that.
0: Yeah, I agree with so, you. I uh, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate your call, and um, I do have a couple other callers here lined up, but uh, we hope that uh, you can call on a, on a better note next time, caller
4: all right Corey. listen man have a good uh have a good rest of the weekend and uh okay we'll be ready uh when it comes to wisconsin
0: amen beat the beat, beat, beat ew, i can't talk beat the badgers next we two weeks go hawks go hawks all right appreciate the enthusiastic callers tonight given the circumstances let's hop right along to our next caller thank you for calling iowa Post Game at the voice of college football who's on the line
5: yeah, hey, my name's Sam. I'm over in Virginia. Hey, so I'm Sam. Thinking, yeah, hello, originally. How's it going? Oh. I just have one thing to say. Honestly, one, second. one thing to say. Honestly, this was bound to happen. Better it happened now than later on the season to save my own disappointment. Um, I think this Iowa team's going to learn from this. And, and honestly, like, our defense been playing lights out all year round. Like, yeah, sure, they might have had an off game. And at the end of the day, our offense couldn't step up and just carry the load for once. And, and it just sucks that I'm not calling for anybody to be fired. But, you know, when are you going to start asking questions at the offensive coordinator position? Like, you know, like he's Kurt Ferentz's son. I get it. But come on, man. We couldn't do anything. And even Spencer Petras, like look yourself in the mirror. And, you know, I guess we're going to use this bye week to figure it out. But I, I'm not losing hope in Iowa either. I think we're going to learn from this and still go to the Big Ten Championship, but changes need to be made. Um, That's all I had to say. Uh, Thanks for taking my call.
0: All right. Appreciate the call this evening. I do want to address that here before we go to our next caller. Um, You know, obviously, in difficult moments like this, um, the, the natural reaction is to look at the coaching staff, to look at your quarterback, and I get that. And I'm not saying that's not deserved because this is not a blip on the radar for Brian Ferentz. This is a pattern of underperformance. This is the last... This is rated as the last, um, uh, I can't even get my thoughts together, people. This is the worst offense in the Big Ten by the numbers. And this is not a new thing. was consistently consistently finishes in the bottom third of the Big Ten in total offense. We're not looking at total points. We're looking at total offense. Here's the reality, folks. Brian Ferentz is not going anywhere pending some ridiculous scandal that's the only way reason that's the only way brian ferentz leaves before kirk that's at least that's my take when once kirk retires brian will either get hired as the head coach or he'll be a head coach in the mac or a coordinator somewhere else this is unfortunately for those that don't like brian and i'm not taking a stance on brian either way right now because i don't want to live too much in the moment brian is not going anywhere so I get the frustration and Spencer Petrus isn't going anywhere because Spencer Petrus. I mean, they're not going to make a quarterback change heading into Madison in two weeks, like it or not. That's just how it is. Thank you for calling Iowa post game at the voice of college football. Who's on the line.
6: Oh, uh, Hey Corey, this is Logan.
0: Hey Logan. Um,
6: I'm a huge Purdue fan. And, uh, I just wanted to ask you, like, do you think Purdue has a good shot at winning the West still?
0: I actually do. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I say good shot. I don't know what the percentages are. And I'm not just saying this in the moment. If you look at... Th- this is obviously an underrated Purdue team and probably slightly overrated Iowa team. I think that's fair. But you look at what Purdue has. The d- the defense has obviously improved with Braum, I think, focusing more on that side of the ball. But they proved today they still know how to attack Iowa. And I, I'm sure, again, Braum has had this specialty at attacking Kirk Ferentz and Philip Parker over the past several years. But I would have to think with the skill position talent they have at wide receiver, I know they're down... Uh, Xander Horvath right now, but the West is up for grabs. Iowa still would be the favorite in my mind. You know, Wisconsin's still in the mix. Minnesota's in the mix. Right now, Purdue's biggest challenge right now is Minnesota because they lost the tiebreaker there last week. But I absolutely would give them a chance. I don't know what percentage, but they certainly have a chance after this game. Yeah,
6: they got hosed in that Minnesota game by the refs. But um, what about? So you think Iowa has the best chance to win the West? And you think Minnesota's next? Is that what you said?
0: I would probably, I would probably say that at this point. Although Purdue now has the tiebreaker over Iowa, but Iowa's schedule is not that difficult. Have you looked at Iowa's schedule?
6: Yeah, it looks like they have they have Nebraska at the end. They have Minnesota. Um, is that at Minnesota?
0: It's at home. It's it's in uh, Iowa City.
6: Okay. Um, yeah, looks pretty manageable. I mean, yeah. Purdue has Ohio State still right um yeah it's gonna be tough sledding but yeah that's all i wanted to ask you thanks for taking my call
0: appreciate the call and and always happy to take a call from a purdue fan um i have nothing against purdue nothing against purdue um they don't seem to be the whiners that some of the penn state fans were last week of course it's easier to to uh handle a win more than it is easier to handle a loss but um Gary Lewis says, I like Iowa to win out. Why not? Well, there are some reasons why I could argue against that, Gary. Um, And I will say this. Let me just comment real quickly on the Riley Moss injury. That is by no means the reason why Iowa lost this game, and I'm not going to make it out to be that way. But one has to assume, and I said it going into the game, that was about the worst time for Iowa to lose Riley Moss. It's a worse time because this is again, this is the one team that Iowa year in and year out struggles to struggles in the secondary. I mean, that's all Purdue does is throw the ball down the field. And obviously Hankins was getting burned. And if Moss had played in this game, there's no doubt in my mind, Phil Parker at some point, I know Phil doesn't like to switch much in his secondary if he's got two guys he likes on what, you know, short side of the field, large side, wide side of the field let's be honest, he would have made some changes and he would have given Moss a shot on bell. Would he have been able to pull it off? I don't know. Bell bell is spectacular and he was tremendous today, but certainly that injury did not help that that came at about the worst time it could have. Sounds like Moss may be back in two weeks and they need him. Um, So that's my comment. I think I think the secondary, uh, and then of course Hankins went down, short yeah, I, shortly before the half, I believe. Right? Um, I certainly he came back. Um, I think he was fine. Uh, he was getting burned before he went down, so nobody can say he was, was not a hundred percent. And that's why Iowa was struggling throughout the entire game. Some confident Iowa fans here. I give you credit um, to say Iowa will win out. That's a, a pretty that's a pretty large statement at this point. Um, in, in response to this comment, Iowa always has a cream pie schedule. Well, they went at they went to Iowa State and won by double digits. Um, they play a nine game conference schedule, and heading into the season, we thought the crossover schedule was actually tough. They played Indiana, who we thought was a top twenty team, and they did play number four Penn State last week and won. So you say it's a cream pie schedule? Yeah, the West is down this year. I don't know what. I don't know what I was supposed to do, and I would not call it a cream pie schedule, but I I get what you're saying. Blake, feel free to call Blake, and this may be Blake on the line. I'm assuming this is Blake. Thanks for calling back.
2: Yeah, hey, Hey, I just have one quick question for you. Let me pause this. I didn't expect to answer so quick. Um, I'm somewhat unfamiliar. I mean, I played football, but I don't know anything about like, um, receiver packages and routes and all that kind of stuff, but it kind of looked like they were just running a a generalized route and kind of like poking into, um, you know, gaps. I mean, is that something that, that they do on, on high level? I mean, basically. So let's say you're running a slant across the middle, like, you know, just a diagonal or a flag or a post or whatever. Is it something that they can do where the receivers kind of like, Cut it off at a certain point and the quarterback just leads them to wherever they're going. They don't have something, you know, set. Oh, this is a 10 yard hitch and this is a, you know, 15 yard post. And, you know, what is that something that exists? I, that
0: would be where the wide receiver can actually. Yeah, that would be an excellent question for Don Patterson. I guess I don't know the answer to that question. Obviously, there are some routes that are designed where the receiver has options based on the coverage post snap, but that would be a question for Don. I think Bell, if you're, if, if that's, if that's a thing caller, if that's a thing, Blake, obviously bell is like the one, one of the few guys who, if you're Brom, you're probably comfortable giving him some freedom to kind of make decisions in the moment because the guy's spectacular. I wouldn't be surprised by that, but again, that'd be a better question for Don.
2: Yeah. It, it, Their offense kind of reminds me of, and, and this is nothing negative against Purdue at all, but it kind of reminds me of like um, a little bit of backyard football. When I was a kid, you know, um, you just kind of go out and you run a route and you just, you kind of fold yourself into the gaps, you know, and, and sure. run the opposite way, you know, of the other defenders and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. obviously whatever they're doing is really effective, particularly against Iowa.
0: Well, let's let's be honest, Blake. Uh, we saw it early in that game last week against Penn State when Clifford was in there. Penn State was attacking Iowa's zone and hitting him in the gaps. And I wonder, you know, again, I'm not going to talk extensively about the Penn State game because we've ran that game into the ground. But you do wonder... What would Dotson have done had he had uh, a viable quarterback? Aiden O'Connell's not a Heisman contender. I mean, he's a good quarterback who can get the ball to his playmakers. Right now, Iowa doesn't have that, and they also don't have a guy like David Bell. But I just wonder what would have happened had Jahan Dotson had Clifford the entire game or had a quarterback that could effectively get him the ball, because we saw Iowa's defense exposed today. You hope it's just a, a blip on the radar and a fluke. I don't think it is a fluke. But you hope it's uh something that's can be correctable because man, you you're absolutely right. Um, they picked they picked the defense apart, they picked the secondary apart.
2: And the other thing, when I made the when we made the comment about the press coverage, to me that would almost seem like a like a under over kind of like double coverage, especially you know on somebody like Bell. You press them at the line and, and give our defensive line, you know, some some chances to put some pressure on the on the Purdue quarterback and to right. slow him down on his routes. But I never saw that happen. No. It may have, but.
0: I didn't see it either. That's, see a, it. that's a great point. Um, I continue to say over and over again, why is there literally one guy? I know they're playing zone, but why is there one guy basically uh, in charge of stopping David Bell down the field? And yeah, you're right. When yeah. he was yeah. not catching over Hankins or around Hankins, Hankins is giving him a 15-yard cushion. I mean, I don't know how you give a guy a, a 15-yard cushion on third and nine. I just I don't uh, yeah. understand the logistics behind that.
2: Yeah. But anyway, I, I've i never been a wide receiver. I wasn't a secondary guy, so no, I don't know nor have that I. kind of stuff, but it, yeah. it, it just blows my mind that, you know, anyway, uh, anyway that was it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Corey.
0: All right, man. Have a good night. Okay. Trekking along here as we wait for former Iowa assistant coach, Don Patterson. Again, he will be with us soon. And uh, Don is going to help us to think level-headed. I look forward to that. Um, Certainly, we don't want, he will not sugarcoat things. Um, But, uh, and him and I did have an interesting text message exchange during the game. So I know Don has some opinions on what happened today, as I'm sure any Iowa guy, but especially a former offensive coordinator would have. So uh, again, let's uh, track down in our comments as we're waiting for Don here. Question here from Captain Genius. How far does Iowa drop after losing to a... Uh, well, I don't know what that means. I'm assuming to an unranked team. Um, yeah, Alabama went down four spots losing to a two-loss unranked team. I, I assume he meant two-loss Purdue team. Um, we were talking about that as, we, as uh, we continued into the second half, and it was clear that Iowa was not going to be able to work their way back into this game. I think the answer to that question is they're they're clearly from the, from my point of view, if I was the committee and I think Mark Rogers will probably reflect this in his rankings, but I would probably rank Iowa around like 14, 15, because their resume is still quality, but to lose it home to a Purdue team that's unranked and struggled. Remember Purdue struggled to beat Illinois a few weeks ago. So even though I did make a comment earlier that I think Purdue has the ability to compete for the West, their resume is not all that impressive. They weren't real competitive against Notre Dame, although they kept it close for a little while. Um, I would say right around 13 to 14 would be my, at least my rankings. But given what the AP committee does, they'll probably end up nine or 10. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I think they should be lower than that, but that's just my prediction as far as what the AP will do. Thank you for calling Iowa post game at the voice of college football. Who's on the line.
3: Hey, Corey, Michael, how are you doing?
0: Good. How are you, Michael?
3: That's too bad. Hey, I got a question. I'm just looking through Purdue's remaining schedule. I got Wisconsin next week at Ross State Stadium, which is going to be probably rock and rolling considering it's a sellout and stuff like that. They also have Michigan State, Ohio State as two remaining games like that, but Michigan State to Ross State. Who do you think more likely is it Michigan State or Ohio State? Or do you think Purdue's defense can hang in there and maybe beat both? I mean, um, help um, give have a shot to beat um, Ohio State. Considering they've had their number
0: in the past and stuff like that, it's yeah. always been close games. I, 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 if I'm looking at this schedule again from from an Iowa perspective, um, I would favor Purdue over Nebraska. I would favor Purdue over Northwestern, and I would favor Purdue over Indiana. So there's three wins right there. So automatically, you're mm-hmm. you're a, a seven win team. Um, certainly the Michigan state game will be a difficult game, but I thought Michigan state, they've shown some chinks in the armor. They struggled to beat Indiana today. So that's a winnable game. That game is in West Lafayette. Um, And the Wisconsin game is in West Lafayette. So you get some good home action there. Um, If you beat, if if Purdue beats Wisconsin next week, I would say that Purdue is right there with Iowa, as far as uh, the front runner for the West. And that pains me to say that, but given the schedule ahead, Again, besides Ohio State game, the schedule for Purdue is not that difficult. Michigan State's good, but I believe they're beatable.
3: Mm. Now, who does Iowa have the re- for the remainder of the season? With, is with the crossover, in the, or Are they done with the crossover in the East?
0: They're done with their crossovers, right? They went 3-0 and against their crossovers. So they get Wisconsin. Uh, they get Northwestern on the road. They get Minnesota, Illinois, and then Nebraska on the road. So the schedule for Iowa is very manageable. Um, I would, that's mm-hmm. why I said earlier, I would still favor Iowa to win the West at this point because they have the easiest schedule of the contenders. Minnesota, of course, has just one loss in the conference, but you look at their schedule, um, you know, they don't have a real difficult schedule either, but they do have to come to Iowa city and have to go to Bloomington. So Iowa, to me, given the home, uh, matchup against Minnesota has the best schedule left or the easiest. Yeah, schedule, I manageable.
3: Yeah. But like I said, if you—I mean, I keep telling people this in the past—and everybody said that was crazy and stuff. If well Purdue only had that—well, really that one turnover—that was kind of, I guess, because he was stretching out and stuff. But if you can take can play with and have no turnovers, you got, what a ninety-five percent chance of beating Iowa because their offense is pretty um, inept.
0: Well, so far you're absolutely right on that, yeah. And now here's right. here's what I'll say: Kent State and Colorado State. They both played Iowa even on turnovers and both lost. But remember, those games were actually competitive. Like Kent State was right there at halftime. Colorado State had the lead at halftime. So Iowa has a lot to prove because you're absolutely right. This is the first game where we've seen a a team actually turn the tables on Iowa as far as turnovers got Spencer Petrus to make some big mistakes. And when you get behind, if you're an Iowa team, and I'm not talking down by seven or even down by 10, we saw Iowa fight out of a hole last week. But man, when you get down two or three scores, it's basically over because this, and the commentators talked about it during the game on ESPN or on ABC. They were talking, I mean, Iowa doesn't have the playmakers to climb out of the big hole. hmm
3: I was just hey, great show, as always. Thanks for taking my court and have, call, Corey, and have a great night
0: appreciate it. You have a good night as well. All right, moving along here. Thank you for calling Iowa post game at the Voice of College Football. Who's on the line?
7: Hi, Corey. This is Ben. Hey, I uh, disagree you? with you tonight on a, on something about okay. the AP poll. Okay. Um I feel just cons- I mean, I I mean, maybe if the AP has been judged different, I think Iowa should drop um maybe to you know below the below 10 but i mean if you look alabama lost to an unranked team that was already mentioned but also oregon lost to um stanford and they dropped four when they were in the top four well and they dropped four so, i mean <laughs>
0: correct me if i'm wrong <laughs> I, would, though, I would expect them to drop much more than six sure C- correct me if i'm wrong though the oregon lost to stanford um and what was the other one? Alabama. The the Alabama loss to a Correct me if I'm wrong, but both of those losses were on the road, correct?
7: Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe, I mean, maybe Stanford was.
0: So, yeah, so maybe both, that,
7: could, that could be correct.
0: I, yeah, yeah, both of those games were on the road. That's, that's one factor that I would look at. And then the other factor is how those teams lost. Alabama lost in the final minutes. It was a close game. Oregon lost in overtime. Yeah, had Iowa lost this game on the road at Purdue by seven, This would be a totally different discussion, totally different show, but it's how Iowa lost. I mean, this was a lopsided – the game was – I guess you could say it was close early, but it never really was close. I mean, Purdue basically managed this game from the second quarter to the fourth quarter, and to do that in Iowa City with a sold-out Kinnick, that's why I give Iowa a a, a larger bump.
7: Yeah, I mean, I could see maybe six for that reason, but at the same time – you got to look at like I mean Alabama didn't have many like close games, but Oregon, you know they 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 came close a couple times before that. There were, you know um, and, you know and they I didn't th- I didn't think Oregon deserved to be even ranked where they were, um, so I mean you can there's some other things you could look at. I mean like close wins, and then you can look at you know how you know Iowa's handle themselves you know the rest of the the, most of the season if you compare that i mean like if you just compare that directly to what oregon had done up to the point they lost i still think you know iowa iowa looks like a better team
0: so i have a question for you ben um and i know this is just total speculation but if you had or conjecture if you had to rank these teams based on what you actually believe as far as who you believe to be the top 10 teams i'm not talking about talent rankings but i'm talking about everything that makes a top 10 team a top 10 team is iowa a top 10 team right now do you think they're one of the 10 best teams in the country right now collectively uh,
7: no i mean honestly I, I i i mean i don't know it's hard to say but i, w- I would i would put them in the, i would put them in the top 25 for sure but I, I think I put them about where you said, you know, it was, you know, the fourteen, fifty. But I'm not. I wasn't. I wasn't basing it off from what I feel the AP should do. I was basing it off from what I think the AP would do and what they have shown um, this year so far.
0: Yeah, and the and the weird thing is, Ben, is this year is weird. So teams are going to continue to lose. This is an interesting comment. I know you maybe can't see our screen right now, but Tyler Jenkins makes this note. Iowa just needs to win out. They can still make the CFP. That's actually, I think, very much true. Now, is it logical to think that Iowa is going to win out? And, and this would include a win in the Big Ten title game, first of all. If they lose to Ohio State in the title game, you got two losses. You're 11-2. You're done. But technically, this is absolutely true. There is no margin for error now. But if you actually are a believer in Iowa, and I'm not saying yes or no, I am or not, but if you are a believer still in this team, technically this is correct. Iowa can still make the playoff if they win out.
7: Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that. I mean, um, I'm a Michigan fan. And I was really pulling for Iowa uh, this year, and I still am. Um, But also when I look at who they played, Purdue, Is almost if you look at the way Purdue plays, you know, coming if you're an Iowa fan, Purdue is the last team you want. I think you want to face because what Iowa I think forces you to do is they 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 force you to pass the way Purdue does every game. So it's like nothing Purdue is not used to. That's kind of the way I look at it.
0: Yeah, and I you know, last... looked,
7: I looked at the matchup, and I thought that was going to be a lot. Co- I, I was, you know, some some of my friends think, oh, you know, thought Purdue was going to get you know beat by Iowa, but I I looked at I I mean Purdue being a lot tougher of a matchup, for
0: Iowa. Well, anybody who overlooked Purdue, now I predicted Iowa would win this game by what fourteen points, but anybody who overlooked Purdue. Mm-hmm as an Iowa fan has a short-term memory because again, Purdue's beaten Iowa now 4 of the last 5 years. That's not a fluke. That's that that is again a bad, bad, bad matchup for Iowa's defense.
7: Yeah. And Purdue's done that and Purdue's done that to many teams. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember uh, you know, I can I, I just overlooking Purdue's probably always a mistake because even when they even when they look bad, they have they have a good track record of upset and team.
0: But here's team. That's the problem, though, caller. Jeff Brom has had, of course, early on in his career, his tenure at Purdue, the guy really coached up the defense, or at least he had coordinators that were able to make that defense one of the better uh, units in the Big Ten. And that lasted for a couple years, and then it was more so the offense got explosive. And then recently, Brom committed himself more to helping on the defensive side of things. And this year has been mainly a defensive display. Um, they've held a lot of teams under 20 points, I believe, if I look back at the schedule. Um, and so that's yeah. what's weird about them. They're just not consistent enough to be able to get to a point where you're competing for the West every year. But to me, as far as a guy, if I could pick any coach in the Big Ten to scheme up a game plan for my opponent this week on maybe a short week, or you know, they had a long week because they had a bye week, right? I think I'm correct in saying mm-hmm. they had a bye week going into this Iowa game. I would pick Jeff yeah. Brom though. Yeah. At least so. To me he's the best game day coach, maybe in the Big Ten, at least in the West. And that's no disrespect to Paul Christ and, and Ferrence and you know, whoever else, but to me, he's the best game day coach in the Big Ten West.
7: Yeah, and I and I wonder how these I wonder how some of these coaches go on preparing for some of these games. I mean I don't know how much emphasis he puts throughout the year on the Iowa game or on I mean maybe they over prepare for Iowa
0: you know there's, there's other things I mean, you can consider that way why would he put so much emphasis on the Iowa game I don't think that's I don't think he I, probably No does I'm that. not
7: saying that I'm not saying that you know but you didn't get an extra week but I'm not I'm not yeah. saying that's the case I'm not saying anything it could have been the case though when he when they played OSU and beat them at sure. home like Forty nine to something, not like forty nine to twenty something. Um, yeah. I'm just, you know, when you're a team like Purdue, and you you're already, get, you know, already got a couple. You don't have, you know, you know, it's the the win for you is those big games, the big games like Iowa, the big game, you know, when Iowa six and zero. Yeah, you know that's a, that's a Super Bowl for your team.
0: Yeah, and so uh, these I, kids
7: are coming in giving everything you got, and for Iowa, it's just another day
0: yeah I, you know I, I, I mean
7: i mean i look at it like that too i mean it's, it's maintained it's the it's the middle part i mean you know i, I can see being an iowa fan being easy to be like we just got beat by purdue and kind of you know really feeling down but you you know you know it's the middle season of the big 10 you I mean, those guys are has iowa even had a bye yet
0: no they get their bye this this coming week and they, uh, it's, you it know, a good a time, badly needed one. Yep.
7: You know, I mean, if you just didn't beat up, you know, throughout, throughout, throughout the season and, you know, one of these teams, I, I don't think it's all lost. So what what I would worry about as Iowa is just like you talked about with earlier in the season, but whether they can maintain turnovers. Yeah. And, you know, and I think a lot's going to, you know, depend on whether they can get more production out of their offense they did not get today yeah well and i think those are the things but there's a thing too you know from a team going from even they played i didn't their offense i didn't think was very productive but that can change that's that's something that's correctable
0: well but here's the deal and i know you're not an iowa fan but this is this is a yearly thing. I don't care who the quarterback is. Iowa never has an explosive <laughs> offense. So and you have a quarterback who is right now a statue in the pocket. and when the play breaks down, Spencer Petris has no idea what to do. He's got no clue. He's, he can't scramble. Um, he's not good throwing on the run when he's he's good actually on like a boot action play throwing on the run. We saw that last week to Nico Regani on the big plate on the field, but he he doesn't know how to, to uh, escape out of trouble and make a play and he can't do it with his feet. He's not physically capable of doing it. He's just, he's not fast enough. Um, so I, I, they have weapons. Keegan Johnson can use, continues to look good. Um, you know, I know Sam Laporta has been the leading receiver, but they do have wide receivers. Tyrone Tracy has been a huge disappointment this year, huge disappointment, but you know, I, I get what you're saying. I don't have a whole lot of faith right now in this offense, and I think a lot of fans would probably share that same sentiment. Brian Ferentz has yeah. not gotten it done consistently at any point during his yeah. career at Iowa. Well,
7: yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, I understand that from a fan's perspective. I'm, I was watching. I didn't watch the whole game, but I did see some. I believe, uh, if I recall, some points that were definitely left. I believe there's somebody. I think, I believe he missed a good shot to the end zone. we oh. oh, had at a guy wide open. He threw through through to. Through to the guy underneath him, and okay. I and yeah, you, know, you know, I had a couple questions of some things that happened on the field, and um, even as far as actually, if I, I want to ask you real quick before I forget, I seen a couple. Of, I didn't watch the whole game. I kind of just switching back and forth. I seen a, I think it was a pass interference called on Iowa, where it looked like the receiver was was engaged in blocking. Um, for a pass to the outside guy, to the wide receiver, and then the, there was accidental contact, and they called that a pass interference.
0: Yeah, I think you're and, talking about Jack Campbell, and Jack Campbell was trying to get out to the back, and he ran. I mean, I thought it was an okay call. I wasn't, I wasn't upset with it. I thought they. Butchered the call at the end. I thought Iowa had the first down on the QB sneak with Spencer. Oh,
7: yeah, that for sure. Yeah. At, at that, that was point, messed up.
0: <laughs> at that point in the game, though, I mean, Iowa had gotten outclassed, outprepared, outcoached, yeah. outplayed. It yeah. didn't matter.
7: Yeah. Well, that was the only thing. No, the one thing I was, one thing is I didn't, I'm, why I'm curious about that. I didn't see if that kind of, it almost looks like a pick play. And yeah, I well. wasn't sure if if it's he, he seems like he's pretty awful far off the line of scrimmage to be uh, to be and it almost seemed like a pick play and I didn't know if that was the Are you talking
0: about the touchdown the whole
7: game? No, I'm talking about that pass, the pass right. interference.
0: Yeah, I don't think that, it was, that, it was, that a, was a called. pick play. I don't know the rule. I know you the commentators talked about on the the touchdown that uh, the other receivers were. Angled towards the quarterback, and and that obviously helps you avoid getting called for that. But I don't, I didn't think that on the Campbell play. I guess I didn't pay close enough attention to it.
7: Yeah, I was just curious if that was if that was you know maybe a scheme that was going on with because I didn't watch a lot of the game. Sure, I just I you know I seen Purdue move you know. Uh, just on the box scores moving the ball. I'm like, Oh, yeah. but anyways, Hey, I'll let somebody else give a, okay. you know, somebody else get on the line for you. It was nice talking to you, Corey, enjoy right. your show and uh better, better luck next week. To all you hawks man, I, Pre- I'm rooting for you.
0: Appreciate it, man. Maybe we'll meet Michigan in the uh, title game. We hope.
7: <laughs> I, I would love that, man. I would love that.
0: Okay. Take care. You take care. All right. I want to thank our caller here for awaiting Thank you for calling Iowa post game at the voice of college football. Who's on the line?
8: This is Nick from Jacksonville, Florida.
0: Hey, Nick. How are you?
8: Yeah. Been a Hawkeye fan for 40 years, man. You know, you called it last week. I did. You called it last week about the Purdue passing game and uh, they were switching out the quarterbacks. And, oh, my God. Well, Unbelievable. I,
0: I, I did not call them. I, I did not predict a loss. So I did get that wrong. I don't – I appreciate you bringing that up that I was right about it, but I wish I was not right about the Purdue passing game because yeah. this has been – And it's and not like what
8: I've, is with Iowa with P- Purdue, man? There's, this is their fourth loss out of five times.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> that, again, I'll, I'll be anxious to hear from Coach Patterson because – um, there is something that Brahm is attacking that Phil Parker, for some reason, unbeknownst to, I think anyone other than maybe Brahm and his staff, there's something that it doesn't matter who the personnel is for Iowa and for that matter for Purdue, or we're talking all the way back into 2017 this this oh I know, continuous... I, know.
8: I watch every game, buddy. <laughs> yeah. every game.
0: I mean, this is, there's something out there right now that that Phil Parker just cannot seem to solve with Brahms' offense. And and I don't really know what it is. Obviously, you can simplify it and say, well, the receivers are just out, you know, they're better athletes. I always played good receivers. They played Ty Freifogel with Indiana this year. They played Dotson last week, you know, the kid for Maryland. I know he got hurt, Demas. He's one of the better receivers in the Big Ten, a lot of good receivers in the Big Ten. But this is a yearly thing. And I I don't get it either. Uh, I just don't get it.
8: And, And it's like they're Achilles heel. I mean, they got nine wins most ever, ever against top two teams. Yeah. It's unreal.
0: And uh, of course, uh, not all of that is, you know, Coach Brom, but that program, they do. They seem to rise to the occasion.
8: Were were they, did they have a bye week last week? I'm not sure on that one.
0: Yes, they did. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But yep, that always um, hurts. I,
8: I caught your show last week. You're awesome, bud. You're awesome.
0: Appreciate it, man. I appreciate uh, that. First we time had, a, I've
8: ever seen it. We had a,
0: we yeah. had another caller from Jacksonville. I think, uh, we had another caller from Jacksonville last week. Last week, I believe it was Brandon. We, so we got some Iowa fans down there in Jacksonville. Appreciate that.
8: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And, uh, I put it out there. I'll hear it tomorrow though, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I will say this,
0: um, I said the same thing to Brandon when he called last week. Um, People in Jacksonville, uh, yeah, I can't imagine people, football fans in Jacksonville are very happy right now with the Urban Meyer saga.
8: Oh, no, no. (laughs) But it was kind of, I think he got fed up, but he knows better. Urban Meyer knows better, but uh, he's a good coach. He's a winner, but we'll see what plays out tomorrow. He's got to start. He's got to okay. start winning there. Yeah. So, um, and, and the offense. Oh my God, it's just so bad. Yeah. What you, <laughs> the offense is so bad. What's the solution for Iowa? For Iowa, you know. I mean, how long has Brian been the offensive coordinator? Is about. I know he was with the Ohio State game when we beat beat the pants off of Ohio State. Was that his first yeah. year or was that his second uh, year? Or? I'd
0: have to look back. It was either 2016 or 2017, because uh, yeah, I recall. Surprisingly enough, Greg Davis was the uh, offensive coordinator in that 2015 uh, run. Yeah, so, yeah, good yeah.
8: season, good season. Yeah, but another team, Northwestern, Achilles' Hill in Iowa. You know, oh,
0: so. good. listen, yeah. if Iowa loses to Northwestern this year, we got big problems. Oh yeah,
8: Well, I don't think it. I, I knew Purdue. Purdue was a decent team. I knew they were. They're three and two. It's 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 football. I mean, you got to play the game. But I mean, I just uh they're just so bad. So
9: and the, like you said solution? about
8: preachers, and I was uh, listening to your phone conversation with the other guy. Yeah. And he's he's like, if that play ain't there, he doesn't know what to do. I mean, it's just he's helpless. I, I, I just don't get it, man.
0: And he's, but, we noticed hey, this. You noticed this too, caller, real quick before you hang up. One thing that Spencer does when he gets pressured in the pocket, he looks like he's trying. He looks like he's trying to get out of the pocket, but he doesn't really know how to go about mm-hmm. it, and then he ends up stumbling for a sack. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's true. I, I don't know and, the solution either. Uh, I mean a lot of a lot of people are calling for the coordinator to be fired. I see Doug's comment here, but that's you know, not gonna happen mid season. You can't do it's that in the
8: middle happen. in the middle of no, the season you can't do that. It's not gonna it's, happen. Yeah. And we still got a chance. And we still got a chance. We went out. We can go to the Big Ten championship game. But, but yeah. We just gotta get some fixing done, you know? And like I said, we like do. I
0: said earlier, it's a matter of um and I'm gonna talk more about this after after our conversation, caller, but it's a matter of just I think throwing this game out the window and you just gotta move past it. I don't think you can
8: oh, really yeah. dice and it. And Kerr parents always does
0: that, and that's why yeah, he's a good that coach. That is true.
8: And he will move past this game and they'll play to the they play they to them. you know. You're right. So You're right. I love Iowa. I love Iowa. I love I'm always gonna be a hawk. And uh, no Hawkeyes, okay? And appreciate love that, your
0: man. show, buddy. All right, man. We'll we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Later. Bye. Appreciate that call from Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. As we await Don Patterson, um, again, I appreciate everybody being patient with Don. He is dealing with some uh, health issues issues or, or procedural things. I don't, I don't want to get too much, too far into it, and if he wants to share it, he can, but uh, he is uh, in route home right now. Um, Let's take our next call here. Thank you for calling Iowa Post game at the Voice of College Football. Oh, they're gone. Let's try it again. Maybe. Thank you for calling Iowa Post game at the Voice of College Football. Who's on the line? Hello? They're all gone. All right. We have no callers in the queue. So you're welcome to call in 860-499-3332. 860-499-3332. Okay. As we await Don Patterson. Okay. I want to discuss this because you we can dissect this game Till we're blue in the face. We can talk about Iowa secondary and Matt Hankins having probably the worst game of his career. We can talk about Spencer Petras throwing, what was it, four picks in the end. Um, we can talk about you know coaching. We can talk about Philip Parker not having a good game plan. Or Kirk, obviously, not measuring up in this game from a coaching standpoint. I'm sure he'd be the first to admit that. But I think, as an Iowa fan, I think the coaching staff probably ends up taking a, a similar approach to this loss. How do you process things? Was this a result of, I guess, three options, right? Is it a fluke? A, I don't believe that to be true, but that's I guess that could be an argument that this is a fluke game. B, maybe Iowa's just not that good and we're just realizing that, right? Or C, this is just a really bad matchup and Iowa will bounce back in a big way with an extra week to prep. I would probably lean towards option three. Um to me, there, there is no fluke when you lose four of five games against the same team and you have the same receiver burning you year after year after year. Okay? So, to me, it's not a fluke. There's no way, to me, you can argue that it's a fluke. Um, I think there's no question, in my opinion, Iowa was somewhat overrated. How how overrated? I don't know. But they're not the number two team in the country right now. Um, Moss being out hurt, right? Um, you know, I know they were also down Cody Entz. If, if, if people didn't realize, Cody Entz at right guard did not play in this game, and he has been a regular contributor on that offensive line. So that didn't help. Luke Lachey, tied in too, also did not play in that game. Those aren't excuses. Those aren't, we're by no means saying those are the reasons why Iowa lost this game. But my point is, you combine a matchup with an injury in Moss, Probably your most important position, especially defensively in a game against Purdue. It just was a bad series of events. So there's reason for some cautious optimism moving forward. But again, we'll talk more with Don about that. Thank you for calling Iowa Post Scheme with the Voice of College Football. Who's this? Hi, this is Jason. Hey, Jason. Hey, man.
10: Uh, you know, Purdue has always had Iowa's number for many, many years. And uh, for whatever reason, they always bring their game up against the Hawks. Um, I think this is more of a spooky type game uh, just based on the great receiver that they have and the kind of their weird offense. I don't think this is going to be something where I was going to fall off, you know, start losing two, three games in a row. So I looked forward to the bye week,
0: get everything right,
10: everything healthy, and then come back and uh, win at
0: Wisconsin. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's the correct outlook to have. People are upset. People are emotional about it. I'm sure the players are down, but this is an excellent time for a bye week. It's an excellent time to get some guys healthy and to regroup because every one of their goals, if you look at the schedule ahead, every one of their goals is still ahead of them.
10: Absolutely. You know, we could still win the big 10. I mean, you know, they, yes. they could very easily. They're still in first place in the big 10 West. I mean, people forget that we yeah. could Purdue has still has to play Ohio state. And I think they have to play Michigan state. And so they're probably going to lose one or two more games. And if we run the table and beat Wisconsin, we're right there in Indianapolis.
0: And caller, right now Minnesota is the—I want to say the dark horse—but you know they've won two straight now, um, and they—they they don't have a real difficult schedule. They do have to come to Iowa City. But Minnesota right now is right there in the in the race for the West.
10: Well, we've had Minnesota's number. You look—you look a couple of years ago when they were undefeated. Um, they came, yep. I, I don't don't remember if they came to Iowa city or if we went to Minnesota, we took them out when they were ranked in the top 10. So we you had right. Minnesota's number very similar to the way that Purdue's had our number.
0: You are right on that. And, and certainly that's going to be a big game as far as how the West plays out. These next few weeks are going to be huge.
10: Yep. Yep. So, uh, don't, don't despair Hawk fans. Um, we're going to be fine, you know, get back to the drawing board and, and, you know, we didn't have a single turnover. The defense didn't play well. We have a great defense, but they didn't play well today. Purdue had a good game plan and credit to them. They've always kind of had our number. Dave, we're not going to face another receiver like David Bell for the rest of the season unless we play him in the Big Ten Championship game or the bowl game. So, yeah. you know, I'm pretty optimistic for our our, uh, our season going forward.
0: I appreciate that positive outlook. I do. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Appreciate all the calls here this evening. And again, we have a uh, nice comment here from Blake. He says, I'm looking forward to what Don has to say. I hope he doesn't hold back. And Don Patterson is with us. Don, uh, Blake doesn't want you to hold back. Now, we have had a lot of mixed response from some of our callers today. I want to give you the floor briefly, Don. What happened?
9: Well, football's a funny game. I've always said that's why people pay good money to watch is they don't know for sure what's going to happen. Sometimes you're pleasantly surprised, and sometimes the surprise is not very pleasant at all, and today was one of those days. A A wise old coach by the name of Bill Brazier, our old defensive coordinator from the 80s and the 90s, once said, you're never as good as you think you are, and you're also never as bad as you think you are either. So right now we have some players that think they're pretty bad. They're not. They're still a good football team. They just didn't show it today. Uh, But I think Purdue had a lot to do with that. I thought today was a clinic in terms of how to move the football um, by forward pass. They really did a great job of throwing and catching the ball. Unusual plan that they were able to pull it off. They actually, in my mind, they clearly had three different quarterbacks with three different plans, and they – they had them all mapped out. They, I think those guys that went on the field, those second and third quarterbacks, those plays they ran today are the same ones they practiced all week, and the vast majority of them worked. So it kept us all balanced there. Uh, I think it's safe to say they were more comfortable running the quarterback with the second and third team quarterbacks. They didn't want to run with AOC, with O'Connor, but they certainly ran the other two, and that bothered us some too because Q draw once again reared its ugly head. And, um, you know, the bottom line is we didn't, we didn't force any turnovers. Um, we couldn't get off the field on defense. They converted so often, even on third and long. And, um, and of course, in the end, we turned the ball over four times. So um, thank God for the game because uh, I should be more specific, the punt return and kick return game, because otherwise we didn't have much of a bright spot today.
0: Yeah, I I as we when we first jumped on and and we're sitting in about an hour Don, when I first jumped on that was what I said. I I couldn't really scrounge up a place where Iowa won any battles today. And then I thought, well, the kick return battle late in the game. I'm going to call it a battle, but Iowa did produce a couple nice kick returns. Charlie Jones with the punt return and Ivory Kelly Martin with the kick return. Here's here's me being negative during the game Don when that happened when both of those happened I turned to my family who was watching the game with and I said they're not going to score They're not going to get in the end zone it was just one of those days you just feel and maybe and of course that's not a good attitude to have if you're a player and I'm not saying they (laughs) have that attitude but Don it was just one of those days where nothing worked anywhere on the field offensively and certainly Spencer had his worst game of the season how does he bounce back after Boy, there's going to be a lot of the outside noise, especially going into a bye week towards Spencer.
9: Right. Well, if I were coaching Spencer, I would remind him, uh, you've been getting more credit than you deserve for these last six wins. Here's the other side of that coin. You're going to get more blame than you deserve for today's loss. So not that you didn't have a big hand in it because you did, but it wasn't all your fault. We, We fell short in too many ways to count today. And, again, give a lot of credit to Purdue. You've heard me say before, I said all along, I said, Jeff Rom will have a good plan. Yes. He's one of the best offensive minds in the Big Ten, maybe the best. Yeah. Uh, and, and sure enough, he did. And, of course, the defensive staff is new, and they've done a great job of of um, getting those guys lined up right, and they're playing hard, and they have reason to play, you know, because they, they're stopping people with some success and, and – They have reason to be excited about each and every game left on their schedule.
0: Don, how do you account for for these numbers?
9: Talking about David Bell?
0: Yeah. How do you you explain that against this defense?
9: Frankly, um, David Bell's a great player. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Sets soft hands, has a great idea of how to get open. The one frustration I had, the one thing we could have done, we never really – we never really tried to come up with a plan specifically to slow him down. Let me just say it this way: If somebody's beating you over the head with their with their preferred style of play, then one of the things you need to do is make them play left-handed. You need to take that away from them, and that means you got to come up with a defense that's designed to stop number three. And if you do that, at least you got a better chance with all those other guys. Um, and there are things we could have done that would have helped. Uh, too many times I made a note during the game, I said way too much single coverage on, on David Bell. And I think as the game wore on, he got uh, in, our, in our heads a little bit as pass defenders to the point where we were playing off of him so far that we couldn't make plays. Uh, you know, he was dictating to us more so than we were dictating to him. So one obvious solution is give that one defender out there that happens to be assigned a to guard Bell Give him some help, and there there are ways you can do that, of course. And I will admit that if you if you if you think outside the box and come up with a defense design to slow one particular guy down, obviously there's a a chance during the course of the game that they're going to figure that out and put the ball elsewhere. But I still rather do that than give up 240 yards to one receiver.
0: And this is Don. He, he had 200 yards what two years ago and like 130 last year. So there is no question in my mind that right now, and you taught you, you said it, he Brahm is maybe the best offensive mind in the big 10. Certainly if I had to pick a coach to devise a game plan, an offensive game plan, and I had any coach in the West boy, I'd pick Brahm every time because yeah. he's a, a savant with, with learning how to scheme against What has been the best defense probably in the Big Ten, Don?
9: Yeah, here's another factor in today's game. And we talked about it a week ago. I was a little bit concerned because they had two weeks to get ready for us. And I mentioned that's a little like a bowl preparation, you know, because you have more than a week to put your plan together. And I think that probably had something to do with it today, too. They had more time to work on us than we had to work on them.
0: Don, here's one observation I had during the game and as we continued throughout the game, it seemed to me that Iowa actually caught a number of breaks in this game. For instance, um, Iowa was down towards the goal line. I believe it was second quarter, and Petras throws what should have been a pick six. Right. And that ball yeah. was going back to the house, and it's just dropped. It's just dropped. So they get away with that then you have the missed 31 yard field goal now you could argue well Iowa also missed a field goal the only reason Iowa had a field goal try is because of the dropped pick Purdue misses the 31 yard field goal and then you have later in the game this what what by inches would have been a touchdown but he lets go of the ball short of the pylon and it ends up being a touchback and that was the right call Don but Those are a lot of breaks, and Iowa could not capitalize on any of them, including those two uh, big returns by Kelly Martin and uh, by Jones.
9: Yeah, that was a a real break there on the pile line. I I said at the time, I said, "Looks to me like he actually let go of the ball before it hit the pile line," and that's exactly what happened. And at that point, of course, it's a fumble by definition. It was our only turnover today. Yeah, it's a fumble. It's a fumble that goes out of bounds in the end zone. As soon as it it hits the pylon, officially, it's in the end zone. And at that point, the only call is touchback. So we were lucky. You're right. We dodged another one. It would have been 31-7 with how the game ended up playing out. You would have had to add in seven more points.
0: So obviously, Iowa ran the ball okay in the first half. Don, what did you see from Tyler Goodson? I thought he played well early, but when you dig yourselves a hole, you kind of have to abandon the run
9: yeah, they just did such a great job. We could not get off the field defensively. And the other side of that coin, of course, is we didn't sustain drives very well on offense. Um, just to give you an idea about analytics, everybody always enjoys hearing about analytics. Um, there were three parameters out of 25. I looked at I looked at their last 11 games, which of course included last year's Iowa game. and um, 25 parameters in 11 different games. that's 275 evaluations. I did all those, and there were three parameters that stood out. And I'll touch on it now because it's ancient history. Uh, the team that had won first quarter scoring had won nine out of ten games. There was one tie in there. But nine out of ten times, the team that won first quarter scoring had won the game, 90% win. A matter of fact, the only exception happened to be a game, as I recall, it was um, Purdue winning the first quarter and yet still losing to Notre Dame. That was the one exception. So as I explained it to to the coaches, if you win the first quarter, I'll put it this way. Any opponent that's won the first quarter against Purdue has won the game every time in all 11 games. Of course, sometimes Purdue won the first quarter, and typically they won the game, the only exception being Notre Dame. So that was one. We needed to win the first quarter. We failed to do that. Secondly, we needed to, to win on red zone scoring success because that percentage was not 9 out of 10, but it was, as I recall, 8 out of 9. 8 out of 9 games, a couple of ties. 8 out of 9 is 89% win. You need to win on red zone scoring success. And furthermore, a year ago, that's precisely why we lost to Purdue. We both had five opportunities in the red zone. They made better with their chances than we did ours. And, of course, in a close game, that's the difference in the game. And then number three, uh, the team that had any edge on turnovers had won six out of seven times. There were four ties in there. Matter of fact, we tied them last year on turnovers. Uh, And, of course, that's 86% win. Here's the bottom line. Purdue today won all three of those. I don't even have to go back and check. I know they did. They beat us in the red zone. They beat us on turnovers. And they beat us in first quarter scoring. So we were 0 for 3. Another way to look at it would simply be this. Let's look at all the teams that beat Purdue over the last two years. And what parameters do those teams have in common? There were three. The team... In all cases that beat Purdue ran for more yards, had more rushing attempts, and had fewer pass attempts. I'm pretty sure that Purdue ran for more yards. I think they had more rushing attempts in the end. And then I think we probably did bait them on fewer passing attempts, but that's not good enough. That's one area.
0: no, and and it's hard to not have fewer pass attempts because they have no run game. I mean, right. they had one scholarship, one running back on scholarship in, heading into this game, and it was a kid who'd been hurt. King Doru had been hurt, and everybody else is a walk-on. And I, I'm just amazed, on it, it. And you talked about red zone scoring success. Purdue was one of the worst teams, maybe the worst team in the Big Ten heading into this game as far as Prim- red zone efficiency.
9: Yeah, primarily because they were ineffective in running the ball.
0: Right. Yeah, and, they were uh, one-dimensional. So again, I don't, I don't have the red zone numbers specifically in front of me. I'd have to to go back and figure it, but certainly they improved in that category today. And I, you know, Iowa's red zone defense, I, I don't know what you know. I'd, again, I'd have to I'd have to track the games, but Iowa's red zone defense doesn't look all that great right now. We no, saw Penn State have some success last week in the red zone. You're right. Um, okay, so let's take a look at. Spencer Petrus numbers, Don. I know this has been a hot topic with with people. Um, a lot of people are attacking Brian and the offensive play calling, but Spencer certainly played a large role in this loss. Very similar numbers actually to last week. So last week against Penn State, let me pull up the numbers for Spencer last week. Um, last week against Penn State, Spencer was 17 of 31 for a buck 95 but he had just one interception and two touchdowns. So he ends up with four picks today, no TDs. He looked like Spencer of last year, Don. I mean that that's how I would describe him. What what where does he go? I know you talked about shaking it off and and what the coaches are telling him. But he is one of the comments I made earlier is he is he really looks helpless at least from my vantage point when and George Karlaftis, I give him credit. He was all over number 5, was all over Spencer today. He was all over both tackles. But when Spencer is pressured in the pocket, he doesn't know what to do, he's helpless back there.
9: Yeah, Uh, I did talk with you sometime in the past about about flush drills, you know, I would strongly recommend we need to practice flush situations more, primarily, primarily because we don't have any guarantee that we're gonna be able to hold them out of there very long, long enough. And of course, at that point, it does become a flush drill, whether you like it or not, it's a flush drill. So my point would be, I think part of our problem is when we do flush, uh, you know, the responsibility is with Spencer to try to make something good happen, but it also lies with the receivers. And we talked about it before. You know this because we talked about it. You don't work parallel. You either work deep or you work back toward the ball. You work in the direction that the quarterback's working. Otherwise, you're no factor anyway because he can't find you. He can't get the ball to you. So first, first priority, work in the same direction he's flushing. If he flushes left, you better be running left. And for that matter, you only got two options, work deep or come back to the ball, come back toward the line of scrimmage, I should say. Uh, and whatever you do, don't work parallel because there's going to be some defender undercutting your route. At that point, and that's how interceptions occur. So it looks to me like we're not very good when the uh, the play breaks down, as you said. And part of the problem, of course, is Spencer's below average just in terms of escapability. He doesn't have great escapability, but that's okay in that in that if the receivers understand better how to react to any kind of flush situation, uh, and of course it all starts with if we can just avoid third and long, avoid second and long, if we can better and more efficient on first and second downs, because right now our percentages of third third down are too much long yardage and not enough short yardage.
0: Don, there's a question from Blake Jamison. He called in earlier. Um, so he's asking you to speak on calling routes and the receivers adjusting depths and angles to fold into the defense. Is that a thing in college football? So the way he described it is does David Bell or these elite receivers in the Big Ten, do they have some sort of flexibility? I mean – According to Blake, what he saw a lot today was Bell sort of, at least from his point of view, Bell kind of being able to adjust his route given post snap coverage. Do you, do you get what I'm I'm saying there, Don? Is that a thing in the Big Ten?
9: Yeah, we had we had um, kind of expanded on this a little bit. We actually had calls if we wanted to throw the ball to a particular receiver, we might simply designate the play. Give an example of a a play action pass. Uh, pro right 44 w we're saying w the flanker receiver you're the primary receiver we're telling you we want to get you the ball and today's equivalent of course would be david bell so uh, all we're asking you to do is assess the coverage and run the proper route so you do have route options at that point point. and of course an experienced receiver like david bell can generally have a good idea as to how to adjust his route to take care of the particular coverage
0: And I think we saw that today. Certainly, he has the ability. He's one of the more – I think he's the best receiver in the Big Ten, Don. Maybe – I'm certainly biased after what we saw today. I know everybody's gushing over Dotson and Freifogel and even Demas for Maryland. There's a lot of good wide receivers. This is not the year of the quarterback in the Big Ten, Don, but it's the year of the wide receiver. Am I wrong?
9: Yeah, I think you're right. And honestly, I would give the edge to Bell. Um, Some of the other receivers you mentioned, they're outstanding players but they don't have his height. They don't have his length. And uh, and to be honest with you, I think in terms of, of, um, of soft hands, I would probably give David Bell the edge over all of the receivers. I think he's maybe the least likely to drop a ball of all of them.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, okay, running along here, our call line is open. If you want to call, we had a lot of callers earlier, but if you want to ask Don a question, eight six zero4 nine3 three three two eight six zero four nine Okay, Don, how do you handle this loss moving forward? And, and I talked about this before you jumped on. I almost think from my perspective that this is a, a moment in time where if you're Kirk Ferentz, you tell your guys, okay, we're gonna take a few days off, Kind of clear your mind. And I'm not saying you don't look at any tape from this game but there was so little that went right in this game. You, I, I almost feel like just flush it and move on. Am, am I right in that, Don, or you have to dissect this?
9: Well, the, the only problem with that is that you have some players, specifically offensive line comes to mind. There's some some um, assignment errors, I would imagine, in the O-line. There's certainly some technique errors. So you got inexperienced players playing in the O-line. The best way for them to get better, of course, is for you to be able to point out to them the mistakes they made today, be able to show them the video and explain uh, what they might have done to make a difference in a particular play. So I would still, uh, I would still for sure um, point out the mistakes that they made. I wouldn't dwell on it. Uh, You know, I would simply say, whatever the day might be, I'm assuming it's either Sunday or Monday. Um, I would hope not tomorrow. I would hope Kurt would say, I don't want to see anybody tomorrow. You guys need a break. The coaches need a break. But just for the sake of argument, if it is Monday, when you meet with the players in terms of looking at the video, you need to you need to correct the mistakes that are assignments, assignment errors. You need to correct the mistakes that are obvious technique mistakes. Uh, but you don't need to beat them over the head with the video. My point is, if Loftus beats one of our tackles with a particular pass set, and you're not, you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that the tackle already understands what he did wrong, you don't need to show five of those snaps. You just need to show one. Okay. And in that regard, it might not be as painful to watch that video as it would otherwise be. So you just selectively show the video. You might even mention, you know, this is a mistake you made against a really good edge rusher. Uh, by the way, you made this mistake other times too. We're just going to show you one of them. Let's just focus on this one, but just be aware that that mistake – reared its ugly head two or three other times, whatever the case might be. Um, and you just got to keep it positive. Um, I know my advice to young coaches all the time. They say, give me some advice about how to be a better head coach. And I said, well, for starters, your job is to build them up and not tear them down. So they don't need to hear how sorry they are. They need to hear the mistakes they made and here's how to do it better. You need to build them up. And you need to remind them all over again that is not the real Iowa team that, that played against Purdue. You know that's the worst version of Iowa football, and uh, nothing says we have to have another game like that the rest of the year. Uh, that's what I would do. I would try to put a positive spin on it and, and explain to them we're gonna we're gonna talk about the mistakes that we made. We're gonna look at the video. We're gonna learn from it. We're gonna be smarter at the end of this video session. But I'm gonna beat you over the head with with the way you played on Saturday. You don't deserve that. Uh, you know we're gonna get this thing turned back in the other direction. We've
0: done it, Don. I do have a question here. This from uh, this is a question for me, I guess, from Blake. Do they still sell euros off carts on Welch? You're talking about Ames. I don't believe so. The thing down in in Campus Town now is the uh, Cheesesteak Factory. So Philly cheesesteaks, if you're a Philly guy. Anyways, wanted to answer that question uh, from Blake. John asks a question here. Don, um, and I know we kind of covered this, but I did, he brings up Ohio state. And I think that's a fair point. If you look at Iowa's schedule, if you look at the breakdown in the West and Iowa's goals, if you look at that, just for what it is, Iowa still has all of its goals in front of them. I think there's no question. Certainly they can still control the West. They went out, they're going to win the West most likely, um, you know, I, I certainly think if they were to win out and then beat Ohio State, you're probably in the playoff. Now, I don't know. That may be far beyond what we should be anticipating, Don, based on what we saw today. But how does Iowa defend, if they can't defend one guy in Bell, and certainly Wright is no is no slouch either, but how do you defend Ohio State's skill position players?
9: Yeah, I, honestly, Corey, I don't think there's any reason to even address it right now because We need to just – we don't need to worry about playing in Indianapolis. We need to be worried about playing well in Madison. Uh, Here's a question for you. Does Purdue have two losses already in conference?
0: No, they have one loss.
9: Just one. They lost to Minnesota. That's it?
0: They lost to Minnesota and they lost to Notre Dame.
9: Okay. Well, talking about having our fate in our own hands, that's not true. If they went out then they're going to have one loss in conference – We've already got one loss in conference. They beat us head to head. Now, do I think Purdue's going to win out? Of course not. There's any number of teams they can lose to. But the reality is there are teams we can lose to also. So we just need to, as Coach Wright used to say, we need to stick to our knitting. We don't need to worry about everybody else. We don't need to worry about how we match up against Ohio State because that game is light years away. We don't have to play that game until December. There are so many other things to worry about between now and then.
0: And Purdue does get Ohio State – that's down the road, but you're absolutely right, Don. Minnesota ha- is now right there in the race as well. So you're right. Iowa has to just worry about improving. This is a good time for a bye week, Don. Am I wrong? I mean, Absolutely right. Um, appreciate the call from Scott here earlier. Thank you for calling in. And, of course, we look forward to hearing from you again. Hawkeye Howard is here disappointed in the O-line and the D-line, Don. The D-line, to me, has taken a step back these last two games. What are your thoughts on uh Phil Parker's guys up front
9: well I think as these other teams get more and more video of our D linemen they get a little better handle on how how they play their strengths and weaknesses uh, their best moves you know Um, you need to realize these offensive linemen that are going against our D line they really study them they study them as individuals even and so over time they realize here's how this guy likes to pass rush here's how somebody else might pass rush in a different way You know, one might be strictly a finesse rusher off the edge. The other guy's the kind of guy that's going to try to bull rush you. You better have your hips down. You better have your pads down because he's going to try just to take you and run you back into the quarterback. So one is a finesse rusher. The other's not. You need to have an idea, of course, of how each individual plays. And I'm sure as they get more and more video of our guys, even if we're playing eight, the linemen, typically you only have to worry about studying maybe two or three of them depending on what position you play obviously if you're playing tackle it's probably either one defensive end or the other or or of course we do sub so theoretically there might be as many as four defensive ends you need to study in the same way with inside inside players centers and guards you got two inside defenders that that you need to have an idea about and of course they're two backups so at the most you need to concentrate on four players and just identify how they play differently because they do they're all different animals they all Uh, have strengths and weaknesses that are maybe different from one player to the next and just have an awareness of who you're going against. You know, this guy's a finesse player. He's going to try to outrun you. This guy's going to try to run you over, you know, adjust accordingly.
0: And Don, uh, Bob makes a comment. He thought the O-line would be better by this point. Where would you rate development right now with these tackles, especially with DeYoung and uh, with Richmond, along with the, the interior, that was down Cody Yance. Cody Yance, I don't believe, got a snap today. I believe He was down with an injury. So how would you rate the development of this O-line?
9: Well, I mentioned a week or two ago, uh, from one week to the next, they're becoming smarter players. They're they're learning from their mistakes. But here's the bad news. It's hard to get bigger, faster, stronger from one week to the next. It doesn't happen. That's the kind of thing that happens from one season to the next. So um, you know we can't change their physical skills uh, much at all. What we can do, of course, is be sure they become smarter players from one week to the next.
0: Okay, um, do have a couple here, a couple questions here in the chat. Let me find them here. Um, first of all, Don, do you want to address something? That you I want to uh, ask you how you are feeling? I know you. Uh, uh, didn't didn't go into detail earlier with our listeners but i know you were in the press box today because of some um, health related i'm gonna call them issues but how are you feeling Adad? dad i don't want to take that for granted
9: i'm doing okay thank you for asking cory um the listeners shouldn't worry about me i'm planning on living a long time i'm not there yet but i'm certainly getting there and um i had a lot of um I was exposed to a lot of sun in 37 years of coaching and it's not a shocker to hear that I might have some issues with skin cancer. So I did. I went to see dermatology on Thursday and they, the good news is none of it's malignant. So they, they, um, they cut on me. They, they operated on me as they need to. They didn't dig any deeper than they had to, to be sure they got all of the, all the the bad tissue. And now I'm in recovery phase and that's why I've got my arms wrapped up because um, i got to protect these. You know, I've got about a three-inch scar on each arm where they've sutured it together, you know, to get rid of that bad tissue. So that's why I asked a favor of Steve Rowe. He was kind enough to allow me to watch the game from the press box, and it did give me a chance to make some notes during the game. On the other hand, I didn't really feel part of the crowd because you're really you're really isolated from the crowd noise when you set up in the box.
0: Well, and that is very nice of Steve Rowe and the, the University of Iowa, but certainly you you deserve it, Don. So uh, good to hear that you were able to, to uh, have that comfortability today. Uh, good compliment here from, uh, I believe, a non-Iowa fan. He says, Coach Patterson, I've been listening to you, impressed with your insight and stats on today's game. Despite a loss, it was great hearing your insight. So good comment there. Um,
9: it's my pleasure. My wife would tell you that's really all I know is football. <laughs>
0: Event Tide makes a comment about the O line we're missing guys like Werfs and Scherf. Well, these guys are young, not to say they can't develop into very fine tackles, but uh, they are young. Now Don, did you watch the Minnesota Purdue game and as you w- answer this question, I have to dip away for just a second. so I'll leave you this question and I'll be back in about 30 seconds. Did Minnesota double Purdue or excuse me did Minnesota double Bell or how did they contain him? he did run for or get over 100 yards in that game.
9: That's a good question. I don't honestly know. I didn't put a lot of time in, in the, looking at specifically at the Minnesota-Purdue game. I do know this. The weather was a big factor. It was not a very nice day to play football. made it more difficult to throw the ball. I think that's one reason you had such a low-scoring game. And it still doesn't surprise me that Bell might end up with 100 yards receiving even on a poor weather day. I hope they can hear you, Corey, because I can't
0: try it again. Can you hear me now? We go. I'm, gotcha. I'm going to trust that you came up with a very good answer there, but I did not hear it. So, um, but again, Bell did have, I think, 120 yards. So the guy has been hurt this, this year. Um, that's one thing people aren't talking about and he's back healthy now and man alive. Um, Rockerfella says props to Carl Laftis. He was, terrific today he's one of the more underrated defensive linemen in the big 10 um don what did you see heading into this game from him did you foresee a scenario where Iowa would have problems protecting spencer like they did
9: one would answer yes our tackles are uh, young players and and of course karloff this is a really experienced edge rusher and it didn't surprise me at all that he had a big day Uh, the only thing we could do differently maybe is put a tight end over him so that we could double team him with a tight end and a tackle. Of course, you're taking away one of your primary receivers if you if you use a tight end for that purpose. We like to throw the ball to the tight end. We all understand that. The other possibility, of course, is to put a back over there so at least he, the back as he runs his pass route, if, he, if he's going to be able to get out into a route, he can at least chip on the guy, uh, slow up his momentum, and um, and make it easier for the tackle to recover against him and still get into the route, too. He can wear two hats, if you will. He can help the tackle for a split second and then get into his route. That's another option. I, I don't know that we did that today. Maybe we did. I'm not sure. It's kind of hard to tell as you watch the game itself without really studying the video.
0: I like this comment, Don. Um, coach is renewing Corey's spirit in real time.
9: <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize that was necessary, Corey. Are you really?
0: Well, I'll tell you was this. Was, the first hour was a bit rough, Don. <laughs> Um, Spencer
9: Spencer Peters would say the same thing.
0: Oh, So, Mike, here's a question for you, Don. How do coaches – because I know how fans uh, deal with losses. I mean, does it just completely ruin uh, a coach's weekend when you lose? Uh,
9: Completely ruin? No, because if you've coached very long at all, you realize sometimes there are days, Corey, when you feel like you cannot even put your finger in your eye. You know, there are days when nothing goes right, and there are other days, amazingly enough, where everything goes right. You know, you, you've seen, if you seen – if you've coached a long time, you've seen both extremes. So today's game is hard to explain. It's not hard to explain that Purdue might have beat us, but you shouldn't – you certainly wouldn't expect a decisive 17-point uh, win. That could have been 24, as you mentioned, uh, the goal line play. We got off the hook on that one. Uh, but they deserve to win the game. They beat us in just about every way, the only exception being – Cut returns and kick returns.
0: Absolutely. Um, Trying to to pick my my comments here wisely. Um, Steve says, I have never second-guessed QB play, but what did we have to lose in getting Padilla a chance today? I'll tell you what. I agree with that comment for the last drive, Don, I haven't addressed this yet until now, but I'm glad Steve brought it up. Why is Spencer in the game? Why are our starters in the game when it's 24 to 7 and there's like a minute to go? Wouldn't that be a right. good time to get your backup some time?
9: Short and answer now, yes, absolutely. I actually, on that particular point in the game, I was actually looking. We had 10 guys on the field already, and I looked for the 11th guy, that was the quarterback. And I was hoping to see Padilla standing next to Brian. It wasn't. It was still Spencer. I knew at that moment. Spencer's back in the game, uh, honestly. And of course, what Brian's hoping for is if we can score one more t- touchdown, if we can cut it to a ten point loss that that certainly makes us feel better. Um, it doesn't it doesn't take the sting out because even the people that are voting would be aware because the game's seen on so many on so many levels. Uh, they would know well, it was really a 17 point game. I was scored you know with less than a minute on the clock. So as you say, would there be anything wrong with getting Padilla in there and getting some reps? first off, would it be hard to imagine that we might ask him to throw the ball every snap We're trying to we're trying to score with a little, little, little bit of time left. It would have been a great chance to to find out how Padilla might even though the game's not on the line, at least he's feeling the pressure of them knowing he's got to throw the ball. You know, we're not likely to just run the ball and, and go home at that point. We're trying to get another touchdown. So I would love to have seen him in that situation. I do understand that the coaches decided, you know, we need to try to gain some momentum into the off week. And if we can score here at the end of the game and cut it to a 10-point loss, that certainly sounds better than 17.
0: Don, does Iowa win this game if David Bell doesn't play?
9: If David Bell did not play? Yes. Good question. I, I suspect we still lose, and I say that just because Purdue's got other good receivers. Yeah. yeah he he had a lot of the yardage. He had what half the yardage pretty much. But the truth of it is, if you eliminate David Bell's receiving yardage, they still outgained us. I believe. I think they outgained us more than two to one. Do you have the stats there handy?
0: Yeah. So total yards for Iowa three oh. Excuse me. I'm looking at the wrong. Hold on, just a second. Total yards for Iowa in this game, 271 and 426 for Purdue. So, And I can pop this up here if we want. 271 total yards for Iowa, and David Bell had 240 yards.
9: And with all due respect, we got a lot of those yards at the end of the game, too.
0: 15 total yards, Don, for Iowa's offense until I think that second-to-last drive where they started to move the ball a little bit, fifteen.
9: You are talking about second half offense?
0: Second half, excuse me. Fifteen. Half offense.
9: Yeah, yeah, and you were struggling. And again, it, it's not all on the offense. The defense has to help out. They got to get off the field. Yeah. And of course, of course, Purdue makes it difficult for them to achieve their goals because they execute very well, even in long yardage.
0: Kind comment here from Charles. Sure, you appreciate that, Don. Um, question. Go ahead, Don.
9: I'm just going to mention. I appreciate what Charles says, but just to just to ease everybody's mind, uh, this cancer is not malignant. I'm going to be fine. I'm planning to live a long time. I'll have a couple of scar- scars on my arms, but that's simply because I got to coach college football for 37 years and probably spent more than just a little too much time in the sun.
0: Proud, proud scars, right, Don? That's true. Okay. Spaghetti Factory says, why doesn't Iowa try more screens to Laporta? He's athletic, hard to tackle. It'd be an easy way to get Laporta easy touches. I will say they seem to run a lot of screens for guys like Fant and Hawkinson. Why not get Laporta more involved in that type of action?
9: That's a very good question. And Spaghetti Factory is right. You might recall we've run uh, maybe two or three screens to Laporta. It's been effective because typically he makes the first guy miss. He doesn't make him miss necessarily, but he... The first guy does not get him on the ground. I'll say it that way. Uh, you know He's not going to juke anybody out of their shoes, but what he will do, he'll still put his foot in the ground and change direction, and you'll get a hand on him, but it's an arm tackle, and an arm tackle is not going to get him on the ground. So I agree. We need to make a better effort to get the ball to Laporta. Uh, he was our leading receiver, as I recall. Uh, but there are other simpler ways to get in the ball, and the most obvious is something as simple as a screen.
0: Appreciate this comment from Michael he says he enjoys our content on YouTube, and Coach Patterson, you are the best. So appreciate that positivity on a day where, man, it, it is a hard day to stay positive. But we have had some, um, I, I will say, there are more positive fans this evening, Don, with our calls. The calls have started diminished diminish, as, as uh, people, I'm sure, are, are intrigued by just listening to your insight. But a lot of positive fans tonight. A lot of people saying that, look, this is one game. Um, and I kind of outlined some scenarios, Don that kind of simplifies things. I know, and you probably don't look at things like this, but you know, my three options of how to view this loss were a, it was a fluke, which I don't believe it was a fluke because we've seen Brahm and this team do the same thing to Iowa. Not this, not in this much dominant of a fashion, but they've consistently beaten Iowa. Bell has consistently burned Iowa. So I don't think it's a fluke. The second possibility is that Iowa simply is not as good as we thought. And that may very well be true, but I tend to side with the third option being this is a bad bad matchup against a coach that like it or not his probably his favorite team to play is iowa and Hmm. iowa had a bad day and also you got to admit the riley moss injury came at the worst possible time didn't it don i mean this is the one team you don't want to be down one of your starters at at corner
9: well i hesitate to say that that riley would have performed better than terry we don't know that for sure i'll say this and i've said it before you know, I I had a lot of confidence based on previous games as to how Terry was going to play. Yeah, uh, he would say he did not play nearly well enough. Uh, but my only point is, uh, David Bell can make a lot of corners look bad. It wasn't it wasn't just Talberts. It wasn't Hankins either. Um, he would have been able to make number thirty three look bad also at times because he's just that good a player. So I I think um, I don't think it's fair to put all the blame on Terry anywhere near all the blame Uh, could he have played better yeah but he went out there and he competed he played as well as he can Uh, the players would even tell you there's not much difference in his game and the game of, of Raleigh as well
0: well and and I'm more thinking Don maybe and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this but as much as Matt Hankins was struggling to contain Bell, if Riley had been in there, do you think Phil would have switched more things up to try to get more matchups with Riley on David to see if he could make a difference on Bell?
9: Probably. Yeah, Probably so. That, so. That,
0: is, that is one thing they didn't have the luxury of doing. I don't know if you know they didn't really do that a whole lot. I didn't really see um Terry Roberts on Bell all all evening. Now I, mean, I could be wrong on that. I'd look back at the tape, but
9: he was some. Um, uh, okay, he yeah. was some. I don't know how many how many balls were targeted at Hankins versus Terry Roberts. I'm not sure. But it looked to me like it was kind of an equal opportunity thing. He, They went after both of them.
0: And that's a question from Chase. I didn't watch the Iowa game, but did they even try to switch anything up on guarding Bell? My answer to that question is no, Don. They seem to kind of stick to their game plan and leave uh, Hankins sort of on an island. And the the end result was the, uh, well, we, we popped up the number earlier. I'll pop it up again. Eleven catches 240 yards and a touchdown.
9: Yeah, you saw one time in particular, I think it was a third down, um, Coach Parker decided to pressure him, and of course, and we, we would never probably go straight man coverage, but on that particular snap, as I recall, it was man free. Sure enough, Bell beats Hankins on a drive route going across the field, and now when he turns up the sideline, he's going to run for 60 yards in that play, gain of 60 and um, they caught us you know obviously if you're going to pressure the quarterback you better get there because the defenders are chasing their guys and they're doing the best to stay with them but if if um, if the protection can buy enough time to the quarterback and the receiver's good he's gonna he's gonna win a, a versus any and all corners and if the ball's accurately thrown it's going to be a big play that's exactly what happened
0: Steve makes a comment or question, I should say, are the two freshmen receivers, he's talking about Bruce and Johnson, leading Iowa in receiving yards, besides Laporta. That's a good question, Don. You and I had a conversation the other day about how underwhelming Tyrone Tracy has been this season. Charlie Jones is obviously, I thought, played admirably, especially in special teams. As far as offense is concerned, Keegan Johnson, well, he made another big play yards after catch on the first play of the game. Boy, it felt good. One play in, and then, of course, the interception ensued.
9: Yeah, you're right. That was uh, great to see. Of course, we had four receivers on the field. It was a trips formation to the left side. Keegan was over on the weak side all by himself. Ran a slant. The ball couldn't have been thrown any better. And what's nice about it, he did something after the catch. uh, And for that matter, he got a really killer block from someone coming from the other side of the field. I forget who it was, but it was a blow-up block. And nowadays, of course, you've got to worry about getting a flag just because you blindside a guy. So I guess you're supposed to, if, if the guy is not aware you're about to block him, I guess you're supposed to back off a little bit. So, so it's not quite such a hard hit. Is that what avoids the flag? It seems ridiculous to me that you can be flagged for a blindside block. I mean, if the defender doesn't see you, whose fault is that? It's the fault of the defender.
0: Don, I think uh, I'll just say this, and, and you might disagree with me. I think Seth Benson is very fortunate that he did not get called for targeting. And the flag got picked up in the second half because he gets called for targeting there. He's out for the first half against Wisconsin. And I, I think it was probably, I don't want to say it was targeting, but it, I was not convinced that it wasn't on replay.
9: I mean, yeah, he, I don't even know if they showed the replay in the stadium. I know when I saw it live, I did not think it was targeting just because I didn't, I was pretty confident he did not lead with his with the crown of his helmet. Uh, maybe he did. I haven't seen the replay. I, I,
0: think I, I think he did. They did show the replay. Now I could, maybe you watch it back and disagree with that, but I, I think he's fortunate because again, boy, that would be a huge loss.
9: Now to my game. knowledge, to my knowledge, Corey, it wasn't even reviewed. I think the white hat, the white hat simply said no flag. Um, my, my guess is the flag came from what they call the center. I think they call him the center judge is the new official. And let me explain to people uh, behind the offense. You have the guy in the white hat. He's the referee. He's in charge and he sets off to one side. And now they put another official behind the offense, sitting off to the other side, and that that center judge, as they call him, I believe, he's got a, a big capital C on his on his uniform. His job is primarily just to spot the ball. It's it seems a little. I believe that that's the guy that threw the flag. And of course, the white hat has the, the right to overrule any and everybody on his crew. Obviously, he would have to say, "I saw it really clearly, and it's not targeting." it appeared that that's what happened. The referee simply said, no, that was not targeting. And and to, as I know it, the other team has the right to say, maybe they have to burn a timeout. I'm not sure of the procedure nowadays, but at the very least, if you burn a timeout, obviously there's time to review that particular hit.
0: Question here from Yakov22, non-Iowa related. Coach Patterson, do you try to make it to an Army game every year, perhaps the Army-Navy game?
9: Great question. You'll find this interesting. all these years and 37 years of coaching. I never saw Army-Navy because I was always working. And even if it is in December, it's always going to conflict with recruiting weekends that time of the year. That's assuming you're not playing a game yourself. And they try to schedule Army-Navy, so it's pretty much after all the regular season. It's Typically, maybe it's the last regular season game of the season. Uh, but here's the rest of the story. Now I'm retired, and I'm not going to bother to go Army-Navy this year. Because, as you know, I have some commitments in terms of broadcasting, too, for the Missouri Valley to work those games. Uh, But I I do know this. My first year, my senior year in college, was the fall of 72, or specifically for Army-Navy December of 72. So I've already told Lisa, we're going to be watching Army-Navy next year, 2022. It'll be the 50th anniversary of my last Army-Navy game. And it's, it's something to see. It really is. It'll make you feel proud as an American to see the entire Corps of cadets on the field at one time. You're talking over 4,000 cadets all marching in. And I might add this, marching a lot more effectively than Navy does. Uh, Navy doesn't march with the same precision as Army. That's not surprised because we've always been better with drill and ceremony than the Naval Academy anyway. Uh, they do okay. Uh, and right now Army's playing better football than Navy too. So I'd like to think Army's going to get another win this year. Uh, I have not seen an Army-Navy game now in, in 49 years, 48 years, I should say. Uh, but I'm certainly planning on, and Lisa's planning on, seeing one next fall, next December, I should say.
0: Update here from DRock Irish, Wisconsin leading Army, 13-0 second quarter. So um, any thoughts? I got, a,
9: I got a quick comment about that. I would still bet, even though they're only in the second quarter, Wisconsin will finish the game – very likely with the win, of course. Although that's not guaranteed. Army's a competitive football team. But at the very least, even if Wisconsin wins, I would be willing to predict they will have some lower leg injuries as a result of the game. Uh, and that's because of the wishbone offense. I should say the triple option offense, not wishbone, triple option offense. And, uh, of course, those Army blockers are maybe undersized compared to Wisconsin's a few of Wisconsin's defensive players. But I guarantee you they're very well taught. Uh, how to chop block people how to not i shouldn't say chop block because that suggests a foul you know how to simply uh, block a guy low and hard and and with uh, with pretty good effectiveness be able to knock him off his feet those army uh, blockers are pretty good at that so i would imagine by the end of the game there'll be some lower leg problems on the part of wisconsin's defense
0: all right don Um, let's kind of turn the table at least a, a bit here um Iowa, of course, now moving to uh, a bye week and a situation where you do have to flush this. Obviously, uh, as you mentioned, there's going to be some dissecting of the tape that needs to be done. Um, What is your outlook here? I know know there's a a gap here because we do have a bye week before the Wisconsin game. How confident are you with this team heading to Madison given what we saw this evening?
9: Well, I think it's safe to say some players have had their confidence shaken. You know, they had a really high level of confidence with how they could play, and that confidence had been shaken today for some players, not all, for some. So they got to regain regain their mojo, so to speak. And it's not just a visual issue. The player himself doesn't have to do it because those position coaches are, are committed to finding a way to help them get it done. So we simply have to remind guys that they're – they're better players than what they showed today as a group. Um, you know, if we played if we played Purdue 10 times, maybe they would beat us five times. I don't doubt that because they certainly have an idea of how to, how to play us, how to attack us. But it would be easy for me to say they might beat us five times, but we might beat them five times too. Uh, maybe it is a coin toss game. The way they played us, I guess the best we could hope for is to de- declare it as a toss-up. Uh, But the bottom line, they have a better idea of how to play us than other teams. Uh, I give Braum more credit than the average head coach. And for that matter, give his staff credit for being above average with their game planning. Um, The bad news, of course, is now other teams have other ideas. I won't say better ideas, but they have other ideas of how to attack us now because they watch Purdue being successful at what they did. Now, that doesn't mean that Northwestern can accomplish the same things with their passing game. I don't think they can, but obviously uh, you might pick up a good idea or two from that Purdue game. And that's something we'll have to, that's another reason we have to correct our mistakes on both sides of the ball. You know, we have to realize if, if Purdue hurt us with a particular route combination, uh, then we know, I mean, my gosh, is it hard to imagine we might see it again, uh, maybe even in two weeks against Wisconsin. So we better be ready for it. And we better, again, we need to make people beat us uh, in a left-handed sort of way. Don't make it easy for them. You know, make it difficult for them. Uh, sometimes extreme situations call for extreme measures. So let's do something. Let's think outside the box a little bit. Let's figure out a way to play that maybe forces them to be uncomfortable. Today, the uncomfortable team clearly was us. We need to find ways to make them uncomfortable. And that applies to Wisconsin, of course, is the next opponent.
0: And Donna, of course, I'm not watching the Army game. I'll probably flip it on here when we're done. But we saw them rack up a lot of yards in the ground last week against Illinois. I don't want to call it their coming out party because, again, this is against a a subpar Illinois squad. But um, you would have to think that they are going to be locked and loaded, ready ready to run down Iowa's throat, as they always do, with a sense of renewed confidence. Especially if they're able to get it done against a very aggressive Army team today. So that game is in two weeks, 11 a.m. Central time. So to let everybody know, I want to handle a few housekeeping matters before we leave. For all of our followers, all of our listeners here at uh, Iowa with the Voice of College Football, Don will be with us the day after the Iowa-Wisconsin game. So we will be here for Iowa postgame after the Wisconsin game. So myself, taking your calls, your chats, your comments after the 11 a.m. game two weeks from today, all right? The day following, Don will join us for a special Sunday edition of Iowa Post game. So we'll be there after the game, after the Wisconsin game, but we'll also be there the Sunday after, and that's because, Don, you are heading back to your, um, one of your, I don't know how to, you know, not your alma mater, but certainly uh, where your heart is at Western Illinois for, I believe, Illinois State, Western Illinois, correct?
9: Right, on the 30th, um, we'll be over in Macomb. We've always um, made an effort. We've done it. We've actually gotten back, uh, at least since we've been back in the Midwest, we've gotten back for one game every year. It turns out, of course, I'm I'm interested in making all the Iowa games and c- commitments to do broadcasting elsewhere. So the only date that worked for us as far as a home game in Macomb was the 30th. So as you mentioned, I will not be available. Um, here's a question about next weekend. Who does Wisconsin play next weekend? I'm hoping they have a game. They play Purdue. Purdue. That's interesting. That'll be very interesting. That's good to know. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Do they have to go to Camp Randall, I wonder?
0: Um, I believe they're in West Lafayette. Let me double-check that. Um, yeah, they are in West Lafayette. No no time yet set for that game.
9: Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting because I, based on today, is it hard to imagine that Purdue might be good enough to beat Wisconsin? That's not much of a leap of faith in my mind. No. They're very capable of beating anybody in the west um so it'll be interesting to see how Purdue season finishes out and as i've already mentioned they've only got one loss in the west well truthfully if we win out we're still not guaranteed to represent the west because if purdue wins out they represent over us we shouldn't worry about it of course we just need to focus on the next game that's all
0: right so we will be here again the day the day of the Iowa Wisconsin game, and Don will join us on the thirty well, no, thirty no, first. It would be uh, November first, Don, uh, that Sunday evening, and we have not set a time yet for that. But of course, we'll keep you posted here at Iowa, the Voice of College Football, and then this coming Sunday, Don, during the bye week, I believe we are doing a special bye week edition of the show on Sunday evening. Don, are we still good for that?
9: Yes, um, I will be doing uh, Northern Iowa at S- South Dakota State uh this next saturday and we'll be traveling of course we won't be back until sunday afternoon and is it seven o'clock Corey? is that what you have decided or what time
0: seven o'clock works for you it works for me as well and i'm sure our listeners that's a good time of day on a sunday
9: so we're talking about next sunday on the 24th i believe it is at seven o'clock and the following sunday on november 1st so i hope the listeners can keep that straight the next two uh visits we'll have on the air would be each of the next two sundays at 7 p.m
0: absolutely and i am writing this out here so that everybody can have this um in their mind so yeah again the 24th at 7 p.m and then of course the 31st or excuse i keep saying the 31st there are 30 days in the month of october don i'm pretty certain on that um so again the the uh, 11 one that'd be november 1st at 7 p.m again both of those those are sundays and we will be here live taking your your calls your questions so i'll pop that up here so everybody can see it again we'll be here the 24th at 7 p.m sunday and then on 11 one november 1st a sunday at 7 p.m as well but of course we'll be here after the wisconsin game for iowa post game a couple other things before we leave Wanted to toss this out here for everybody. Uh, I did mention this during our live show with Mark Rogers earlier this week. If you're enjoying our show, if you're enjoying Iowa postgame at the Voice of College Football and, of course, our live shows that we do throughout the week and uh, any other coverage, really, that we put together, want to get a feeler for interest in an Iowa basketball live postgame this coming season. So, of course, the Iowa basketball season starts in less than a month. Uh, Don will not be our analyst for that, but uh, we, we certainly would like to gauge the interest in having an Iowa postgame show. Of course, it will not be on this channel because it's a football channel. It would be over on um, our channel from the Hawkeye of the Storm, from the Hawkeye of the Storm on YouTube. But if you are interested in a live basketball postgame show for Iowa Hoops, please let us know. Comment on a video. Let us know in the live chat. You can also contact us through our website storycounty.news slash Hawkeye of the Storm, Um, but wanted to put that out there as well. Also wanted to put a plug in real quickly. I don't promote enough, so I want to make sure I do this. Um, There are live shows. We do Iowa live shows starting this Tuesday, actually, 4.30 p.m. Myself, Mark Rogers, um, we will be there to break down everything Iowa, including this game, and the bye week ahead. So each Tuesday, have it locked right here to Iowa Football, the Voice of College Football, 4.30 p.m. Central Time for a live edition of our show. And, of course, if you're interested in donating to the Voice of College Football, you can go to the comment section below. Please make a note that it's for the Iowa channel to help us continue to do what we're doing. Um, And, of course, you see in the bottom of the screen there, you can listen to our podcast through Spotify, Apple, Google, and more. That's from the Hawkeye of the Storm. From the Hawkeye of the Storm. Don, I feel like I just put together a series of ads there. I apologize for that. Anything else you want to add about this game, where Iowa fans' heads should be heading into a bye week? I mean, it's not the way you want to enter a bye week, Don, but certainly a good time for it. Anything else you want to add?
9: Well, if Coach Fry were here, he would remind everybody. He said, might, right now, you might wonder. But I'm here to tell you, the sun is still going to come up tomorrow morning. Uh, we're going to survive this. It's disappointing, that's for sure. But we're not going to let it define who we are. Uh, it's really important when you have a disappointment that you make sure it only counts as one. So we do have to put it behind us, but only after we've learned from it. And at that point, we will flush it from our system and, and we'll put our focus on Wisconsin because that's the next one that matters.
0: And I guess I was wrong, Don. There are thirty-one days in October. I guess I didn't learn that as a as a school kid. There are right. thirty-one days in October. I still remember
9: now. Thirty days has September, April, June, and November, right?
0: All right, uh, that's sort of embarrassing. So let's let's it's update that. I appreciate Hawkeye Howard letting me know. All right, here is the updated schedule: the twenty fourth and the thirty first, seven p.m. Don. As always, appreciate the time this evening. I know it wasn't under the best circumstances, but it's one week. We'll move on, and we'll live to see another day, and we'll enjoy talking to you next Sunday at 7 p.m.
9: I look forward to it also, Corey.
0: All right, for Don Patterson, I'm Corey Brada from the Hawkeye of the Storm and Iowa football at the Voice of College Football. We will talk to you soon.